So, David, what did I say on Frank's show about the family? You say kill your whole family. I said kill your whole family? Yeah, out of nowhere, that's what you said. Why are we just now recording this? What's your name again? Who? Mark, Marcus. You. Marcus as well? Yeah, you. David. David, okay, David. I, all right. I, I, you know, I want, I want to. Did you get my number? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. I'm gonna have to store it in my contact when I get off the phone later. I'm gonna have yeah, to store okay. this. I'm gonna have to store, How often is this call? See, I don't, I don't know this call. I've never been on this call before. This, this, this is an oddball call. I don't, I don't like, know who this call. But like, do you know what nights of the week it, it uh is on? It's not posted day. because it's not posted on packs on the conference call schedule. That's why I'm saying because I couldn't find. It. I never heard of it. Otherwise, yeah, I probably would have been. I think this is every night. Late. This is a late night call. I, oh, I that's. Who, uh, I don't know who uh, you know, who does it, but it's it's. This is a late night call. Hey, David. So, are you sure that was uh, Frank Allen's call and not not uh, Neil Chavere's call? Where I said that? Yeah, man. Because I know that that dude from Canada. He, I don't think he's on Neil's call. But I'm not answering that anymore, Mark. Because you don't ask me like three times now, man. I know you're talking to the dude from Canada. The dude from Canada, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I know you're talking about. Yeah. I can't. I don't know. His, I don't know. His name might be Chris. I think his name might be Chris, man. I really don't know. I wouldn't bet on it though because I'm not sure. But I just have a feeling his name might be Chris. If his name ain't Chris, I don't know what it is. Period. Hey, what happened uh, to that chick? What happened to that chick Sheila from Florida? She just dropped off the call. She dropped off the Derek's call, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't, but there's people. There's people listening to us right now. They're not talking. Oh yeah. I know that. Oh, I know, man. I know, dude. I know my phone is hacked, man. Trust me. I've heard. I've heard quite a few beefs going on, so they're they're listening. Oh yeah, of course, dude. The other night. The other night they had. This, I was talking to a dude named Silvern man. On Frank's call, it was late at night. There was only three of us. This chick named Deb from Wisconsin and Silver Man. And they had this dude, like, he was just mumbling, like, insults and shit. Asshole. I heard him say asshole. And I didn't say nothing. And then um, yeah. I asked, uh, some chick was, was, some other chick, I forgot. She was asking, she was talking about microchips. And I was like, what are some of the symptoms of a microchip? And then he spoke again. He said, you could have a heart attack. And I was like, what about what about a heart attack? And uh, the shit escalated, and he was like, your mother's a cocksucker. You ever heard of the NSA? And then Silverman was, like, preaching to him about Jesus and stuff. And, and then he was like, get his IP address. 
and that was the last we heard of him. So, yeah. I uh, this time here, it must have been difficult. You know, at this point, man, you know what? Why don't you just take your little case, you know, come and pick me up, and, you know, press charges and set up a trial, and we'll get this shit going, man, instead of this bullshit that's been going on for the last 13 years. Longer than that, really, but uh, it, for it, it was just like isolation, couldn't hold a job, and this is something else, but I guess it escalates. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but if they got a case, come on with it. Fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. Set all, all this little backstabbing, secrecy, annoying, antagonizing shit every day. Yeah, that's true, man. The wall, they set you up. Uh, well, David, yeah, I was really drunk. I was really drunk the other night, and on Frank's call, did I really say that something about kill your parents or some shit like that? Oh, uh, man, I don't even care, man. I was just wondering if you were drunk. I can give a shit less of what you said, man. <laughs> but you, gotta, well, you know, I'll tell you, Marcus, I'll tell you what, man. When you Next time you talk to that dude, everybody in that room heard you, man, and they knew it was you. Because that, that dude called you out after you said that. So when you go on Frank's call, like, what's today, Monday, Monday night, he'll probably be on there. You can ask him because I could care less. I was just wondering if you're drunk or not. What did I say, though? Because I'm drunk. I didn't. I was drunk, and I don't remember what I said. Don't matter to me, Marcus. Yeah. Just try when you're drunk. Try to think about what you're saying, bro. Okay. Mark, Mark, not important to me at all, man. Shit, talk is cheap. Yeah, that's talk, cheap. Talk, talk is cheap. Thoughts are even cheaper. Well, I've been on these shows for eight years, so I just wanted to know what the fuck I said when I was drunk. Well, you can ask that dude on Frank's call Monday night. Because I can care less. Mon- yeah, Monday night. And what did I say? That that kill your parents or something? What What the fuck? That's, that's in the ballpark, Marcus. What did I say about parents? Or did I say something about parents? Or killing someone? Dude. If you ain't gonna remember what you're saying and you're worried about what you say when you're drunk, you should quit drinking. Well, that's what I'm asking is what I said that night because I don't remember. Oh, it's not that big of a deal, man. Yeah, don't worry about it, bro, okay? You say things, you know what I mean, okay? How, how, How old are you, Marcus? 38. Oh, okay. I've been victim of more remote crimes than anyone else in the world. Do they burn me? Oh, they're burning me right now. Burn me. Oh, fucking all the time. Day and night, they burn me. 
you have people walk going around you, there's always even fear of them. Oh, did y'all do anything good this weekend, man? Not that much. It's been raining around here, so I couldn't do much. Oh, yeah, man. I don't get out anyway, man. I just stay cooped up in my apartment mostly. You got to keep busy. I mean, keep, Not really. keep moving. Not really? Oh, dude, you'd be surprised, bro. I've been sitting in my in my closet for like two months now. It don't bother me a bit, bro. I get on that Republic Broadcasting Network. I just listen to the radio. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, if it works, if it works for you, it's cool. Yeah, it's man. Yeah. It's, work, it's working for me, bro. I get yeah, on the phone and call cool, people. I call people. Sometimes I'll get my laptop in here and I'll just read up on the Internet and shit. Well, you got my number now, right? Yeah. You call me anytime, bro. Okay. Yeah, that's cool, man. You can call me anytime, too. Well, once you call me, I'll have your number. I don't know if you write down one right now. Yeah, when I call you, you'll have my number, and so you can call me anytime, man. Cause I'll tell you what. Dude, you know how many hours I've been up right now? A lot. Wait a minute. 12 o'clock yesterday. 30, 37 straight hours now, dude. Don't let you sleep or... No, man. And then the day before that, I was up 40 hours straight with no sleep. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, in between, in between these two, uh, I don't know, what the hell would you call it? Just, uh, not a week of sleep, man. I probably only had like three pots of coffee. That's not bad. Huh? That's not bad. Are you eating? Not really. Not hungry. I've been drinking a shit. I've been drinking. I've been drinking a shitload of bottled water. I don't eat anything either. I go. I don't eat nothing. But I do. uh, I start drinking beer in the afternoon or whatever. But I don't eat. I never eat uh, anything. There's no appetite. Oh, hey, for real, dude? You Christina, gotta eat, everybody. Who's that? Hello, guys. My name's Christina. Hey, Christina. You gotta Christina. eat, man. You just gotta eat, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, you got- when you're under this program, it's bad enough. That you know, just the shit itself brings you, you know, where you have no energy, and that's what food is. It's like the, you know, petrol. I mean, even if you have to force it down, eat something, you know. Yeah. Can of soup, whatever, because that'll give you, uh, you know, energy, you know, and 
It's just like me. I feel the same way sometimes, but I got to make myself eat, you know? Yeah. So, I'm sorry for in- interrupting, but... Thank you. Oh, no. You know, yeah, they don't oh. me, you know? No. Yeah. Thank you. No, yeah, it just concerns me, you know? Yeah. And, uh... Uh, hey, uh, you you going to go to the rallies, any of you? Hey, is anybody going to the rally on uh, the 29th? No, I'm from the world. Oh. Well, I'm a team leader, so I got to be there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I participated and did some donations and... Uh, you know, helping out with the equipment, you know, to purchase some equipment. So I'm kind of excited about it, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to probably meet some really good people out there. Yeah, last year I couldn't make it because assholes uh, gave me three heart attacks in a year. So I was really under the weather. And uh, so I had to have three stents put in me. So I just, you know, I I just couldn't make it. But I was, you know, I was trying to help out in other ways, like making phone calls and stuff. Uh, I I was so close to having one of our channels go out there and and actually, re, you know, do the report on this, right? They said, if you would have called, like, last week, we could have done the report. But last minute, you know, got to call at least two weeks ahead of time. So that's what I'm going to start doing this week, this coming week. Yeah. Anyways. Where are you I at? I call Chicago. Oh, okay. Wow, Chicago. Uh-huh. Really a lot of violent shit going on up there. Yeah, well, you know, it's like anywhere else, you know what I'm saying? Anywhere oh, I know. Just, well, yeah, please. It's happening yeah. everywhere. I mean, we've had a few bad incidences, like the school, there was a school, and then there was the hospital thing, you know, and it was on the opposite side of where I live. So it's just, it's just too bad that people are so stupid, you know? Yeah. Selfish yeah, and greedy. Okay. You know? Well, I call it stupidity because the people don't understand that any cop or lawyer cannot give out any information if you, you know, like say this person was really in trouble for example, any of us PIs, okay, that they could not share their case with you because it's it's against the law to discuss a case. No, they're going out there helping them, and they don't know nothing about, hey, if I'm going to do something, I want to know all the details. I, I mean, screw the money, you know. Because I care too much about people, you know. Say, hey, if you want me to help you out, 
you better tell me some details. And anyways, I would have no part of the law anyways because all they do is shitty shit to us, you know? They need to be what? I win. They do shitty shit to us. Oh, yeah. They're a dime a dozen. They're a dime a dozen. Well, they're always treating us like we're garbage and they're better, you know? And... The thing is, is they're no better than us, you know? Yeah. I mean, just because they have a star on your damn shirt doesn't make them a better person. That's exactly right. What they're doing is making them garbage. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'm, I'm disappointed to hear you're not going to the rally. Who, me? But, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm all the way in. I don't think they're having a rally here in the world. I haven't had a car in like 10 years. My license has been suspended on a DUI that they set me up. They set me up oh, on the DUI. No. Set, they set me up for the DUI, and then when I went to trial, they brought in a cop on the stand, and he completely lied under oath. I've never seen the man before in my life, and he completely oh, yeah. lied. <laughs> I'm sorry, what happened? I can't hear both of y'all. They did what? to me uh, an OVI three years ago. So that, I know. I have my license back, y'all. Yeah, I have my license back. The cop went and said I tried to kill myself, which is bullshit. Complete bullshit. And, and it could be an OVI because I was. Second, you know, mentally impaired. This bullshit. Hmm. We need a whole new, like, totally new government. Totally. So just a, a cop, fireman. I'm even starting to think we need new doctors, too. They're supposed to be saving lives, not trying to agree to murder lives. I know. Yes. Yeah, you're right. I had one doctor, and I honest to God, I had like so much faith in him because he was a young he was a young doctor, but he also was a professor, and I found that out, and that really attracted me because of all. Of I was going, what was going on with me, you know, everything was hurting me, you know, and here I was all blowing up, ready to die any time because my, my feet, my legs and everything, my face looked like a big ball, you know, and he knew it was congested heart failure, and you know what, he, he, he wouldn't do nothing about it. So I went to my back to my old doctor, and he says, "If you didn't come here right now, you'd be in a box." But I saved your life, so you could thank me. So this son of a b, I am trying to take him to court to win that he could that he could have prevented me from having heart surgery. Okay, if he would have done something done, 
you know? Yeah. So. But I, I feel that we are turning this thing around and we're in a lot better position than we were one year ago. And there's a lot of registered, uh, registration um, that's going on. So put it this way, a year ago, we 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 didn't even have a logbook. We got a logbook now, okay? And those people, there's more and more people coming in every day. Our goal is to get 50,000 people, and once we do that, and they don't have to all be TIs either, you know? And I've got meetings going on in neighborhoods and communities that other TIs are meeting and bringing up good ideas. And if anybody wants to do something like that, and I would like advertise and on Twitter and everything that there's going to be a meeting. And all you got to do is say the word and email me if you're interested. The name of my organization is Citizens Justice. So my email is cmac, M-A-C-K, 9988 at gmail.com. But if we're all, if we all stay as one community and not 10 different organizations, we will make it and we will win this. You know, we will beat this because there's too many political people that say, hey, this is our country. Like, we are the people? Yeah. 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 There ought, to, there ought to be a lot of vets speaking out about this bullshit being railroaded. Well, I've been a TI for almost 12 years. Um, I, I I would say that so much shit has been done to me. And yet, it's, you know, and I'm not just thinking about myself. I mean, even I have enough evidence right now to go to the FBI and have a case started because I had I have a handful of doctors that have done some shitty things to me and I got proof on it. I got proof too. Okay, but I decided to go with the go with everybody. So we could all congratulate each other for all the good work we've done. Yeah. And if anybody wants to do these, like meetings in their community, that'll bring more people in and more people in and more people in to finally get to a, a hearing in Washington, D.C., you know, in a in a big court. Yeah. Where are you located? I'm in Ohio. 
Oh, you're right near me. Okay. So, and they you know they have nothing going on out there because there was a guy that was doing a lot of stuff on YouTube, and him and his wife were getting totally uh, targeted really bad. Well, I gave you my email, and there's a lot of things I could introduce you to to like to help out. So we could get to the Supreme Court sooner than later, you know. Right now we're looking at a, a hearing, a hearing date at, um, in April of 20. Yep. But if we get more people involved, it could be sooner. But where's the hearing date? Well, we're trying right right now. We're trying for a hearing at in this with the Supreme Court by April or sometime in April. And the more that people participate and get other people to sign up and to be involved, and also if you don't have evidence now, start putting evidence together. And this way, we could get into court maybe even in February. Okay? Yeah. And, I mean, there's several ways that it could happen. And that's like me putting the word out there that may, I'm saying, for example, if you're in Cincinnati, that's just a guess. Yes, uh, there's going to be a TI meeting. Cincinnati, join join one, join all, and let's let's get this ended once and for all. And then I would put a date out there, and hopefully that you know we could like give me to the local Burger King or McDonald's, and then every, and do it like every other week until, like I said, like April. Because the stronger that we come in, the, the faster we'll, we'll get in. Because I'm not putting up with this. This is my country, and I'm not putting up with it. Yeah. 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 My phone's starting to echo again. Just yeah, gotta be strong. Yeah, you know? never. Yeah, I'm never gonna accept this mind control, gang stalking garbage, ever. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's ridiculous. I don't give a shit, man. So you gonna give me a fucking life sentence of this for talking shit when I was drunk, or watching controversial YouTube videos in the privacy mono because your nosy ass can't stay out of my damn business? That's right. That's our business. What we do. You know, yeah. it's our business. As long as you're not hurting anybody, then it's yeah, your exactly. business. Yeah, if I'm yeah. not bothering anybody and nobody's affected by what I do, I don't see what I don't see. I don't see there's anything wrong with what I'm it's doing. It's not. It's not yeah. what you done. And to me, you're just being your own human. <laughs> you know, like uh, in me, for example, 
I, I felt bad for two people. They had nowhere to go, so I let them stay. And after I found out that they were violent alcoholics, I mean, really violent, threw me through a glass patio door, okay, I told them, get the F out, and that's it, and you're done. And they came back and did all kinds of damages and everything. Next thing I knew, I was, um, they stole my identity, and, uh, you know, they, uh, they went to my house. See, I was running an apartment out in Nevada. So they came to my Chicago home, robbed me there while I was in Nevada, stole my identity, and the next thing I knew when I came back, I was being followed and everything else. Yep. Yeah, that's complete entrapment. Yeah. But I didn't do nothing but try to help people out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's good. I mean, it's this is not going to be a miracle until we get the right people working for America, and we don't have the right people. I mean, this is going towards martial law. Uh, it looks like everybody wants the same thing. They want to stop. This should have never started. Intel Pro never ended. That's how I look at it, okay? So now this is the time when we're going to end it. We're not going to wait for government or anything. We're going to end it. We're going to say once and for all, this is, this is my country. And I say no. And I never gave you permission to do anything like this or have anything like this <clears throat> in my country. Yeah, I never gave you. Yeah, you're damn right. Damn right. You you're damn, definitely right. I never consented to any of this shit. Uh-huh. I said I never gave my consent to any of this shit. I know they don't well, care. Well, I never they... gave permission to be drugged or poisoned or anything like that. Or some doctor putting something in me when I was in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, Several yeah I've had it. You know what? I've had that. I've had an occasion where I was poisoned and drugged, and they probably... Implanted me when I was unconscious too, at the hospital. Um, I'm trying to think of someone want to ask you, but I can't remember what it was. Now that she's mentioned it, but we kind of got off track. Um, I uh, went into the emergency room because I was having back pain, and they it happened to be the time that I was going to go see my pain specialist, and you know, I mean, the medicine wasn't working. So they give me the same medicine in the hospital, and I feel by the time I wake up that I was, like, just on an operating table and under anesthesia, and they're pushing me. They're telling me it's time to go, and they're pushing me down the hallway and says, now it's your time to go. And I I called, and I made a big complaint on the nurse because she was pushing me down the hallway. I wasn't even finished dressing. I wanted to use the bathroom. And she went, She says, no, you could go out there and use the bathroom. I go, well, you piece of shit, you. You don't belong to be a nurse. 
Okay. So, you know, it's, I don't know. I'm just not going to put up with it. And I I never gave permission to anybody to do what has been done to me. Christina, this shit's completely Uh out of control. They're putting people on these watch lists for the most ridiculous reasons just so they can increase their budget. Exactly. Exactly. The more talk it's nothing about the more talk, what you did the or what I did. More funding, bigger budget, the more targets they get. Yeah, yeah it's all about what they could get. Not, it's all not about what po- we care about the people. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah, they've, been, right. they've been messing over people for so long, it's like second nature to them. It's like just as natural as taking a breath of air. Because yeah, they're sick suckers. They that's why. They don't, they don't think I recently seen the worst like let me see a month ago I witnessed some cops doing something under a car and they were all dressed in regular uniform I don't know what they were doing but I know it was something you know, illegal. Like, is it they were putting the bug under a car? Yeah. And, uh, well, oh, and then they were flashing me, putting their flasher on me so that I couldn't see what they were doing. Yeah. Sure enough. Ugh. I don't know. Well, then the only thing we could do is just fight together and be strong. That's, yeah. Yeah. If we, if we got yeah. if we stick if we stick together, good things will happen. Yeah. Yeah. We we don't need to be seventy or fifty or twenty different. Uh, how do you say organizations? We just need to be one organization all together because everybody seems to be going this way and that way and that way. When I see that happening, that's when I put together Citizens Justice. I says this has got to stop. It's going to be one organization because that is the only way it's going to work is if we're all together in one in one phase, you know? Yeah. They're gonna have people stronger, stronger together. They're gonna try to people have those groups and debunk what people are saying about their claims of harassment and shit. Well, let's just say this: by the time we get done with them, they're gonna be walking with their fucking tail backwards. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yep. And never be able to have a job in security again. But you know what? I think that these companies that are, you know, with the satellite companies, I think they should be just as responsible and be charged with it too when they know it's yeah. wrong. Yeah. Because if you dropped all these satellites, they'd be, this, is, this would be over with. 
Yeah, I think that they should be charged too because they know what the Constitution says and means. So if you interfere with somebody's everyday life, you're breaking the Constitution, Constitution, you're committing treason, so you should be screwed too. You know, this is a bunch of bullshit that money, does money speak that loud? Well, I'll tell you what, not in my life. Money doesn't ever speak that loud. Love speaks loud and about sticking up for all the people, okay? Because, you know, like the Beatles back in the past, Saying money can't buy you love, but they could buy. But it, you know, it could just make you get by. That's it. Yeah. Listen, listen, listen to the song "Disturbed," "Sound of Silence" on YouTube. Mhm. Let's listen to that. What's it called? Disturbed. Disturbed sound of silence. Okay. Who sings it? Uh, uh, Simon Garfield sang it first, but Disturbed sings it second. It sounds of silence. Disturbed by silence. Okay. Disturbed. I will listen to that. Listen to it. You will. You will feel emotionally. I guarantee you. Uh, well, I'm on YouTube all the time. So I'm always yeah, trying to research this, 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 and that. YouTube? Because, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, there's a lot out there I read up on on a daily basis because, you know, they always say the past always comes back. So if something from the past worked out done and saved the people, it could do it now as well. So that's why I'm always doing research. Yeah. 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 Did, did, did you, do you have my number? No, I don't. I don't. No. Um, no a, you want my email? No, I don't have anything to write with right now. Huh? I don't have anything to write with right now. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you have anything to write with? Yeah, hold on, please. And any time that you want to put a meeting together, I'll put it out there. Um, I need at least a, a week to 10 days. So that it gives people enough time to go forward. And I also will put respond as soon as possible. Okay, what what is it? My phone number is 830. 830, yeah. 978. Okay. 2294. And I'm not afraid of telling you my number on this. Anything, because they see what I see, they hear what I hear. Did you see? What did you say? Two two nine four. Yeah, three three zero nine seven eight two two nine four. 
830-978-2294. Yes. And what's your first name? Mike. Mike, okay. Yes, I'm not afraid. And anybody else that's on here that wants to get this shit moving and end it, then we need to do meetings. We need to put people together. Yeah. Yeah. Can't be afraid. Can't be afraid. Hopefully, I'm out here. I had three heart attacks in over a little over a year's time, and I'm out here. I go to Walmart. And I and I place a poster. If you are any such way involved with organized stalking, you need to stop now because this means that you are committing a crime. You are committing treason. And this is my email to let you know and give you more information on this. Do not do any type of organized stalking because this could cause you up to 25 years in the federal penitentiary and people are being charged with sexual predating. Okay, I have that on my sign and I go by Walmart and Dollar Tree, wherever I think and wherever they harass me at, I'm out there with a little sign and I have them log in, whoever's interested, I them log their name in with an email address. And then I tell them, they go, well, we want to know about this. I go, you will know everything, every time there's a, a move in going towards a positive or negative way. And if you, if you want to be included, you would have to go ahead and sign up in, in the Supreme Court to have the stops. And I got people sign like left and right. I mean, you know, you just got to speak up, you know. But I will call you. Do you work or what? I mean, what's the no, best got... time to call you? Anytime. I, I Anytime? Okay. Until I get back to work. Okay. What kind of work you do? I'm a union if I may ask. Oh, you're a carpenter. Okay. I, I had a construction company for 23 years that I was a union. Okay. That's good. That's what I'm looking for now. I'm looking for workers because the workers that I had well one died about seven years ago he had cancer he is only 56 years old he was my roofer and concrete man and then the other one was like he's now like 80 or 81 so of course he's retired and the other crew I guess he's kind of retired because I haven't heard anything from him and I want to flip home. You know, I want to flip home and I got to have it done within Hello? 60 days. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, but uh, for a second I couldn't hear anything. Oh, okay. I thought I was looking for workers. 
I was looking for, looking for workers to help me flip home because um, my three workers, like one, he died, and he was only 56. Then the two other ones, well, I know the one, he retired, and the third one, it was like a total of 16 guys I had. So it was a company, a sole, I was a sole owner, but I had nice business, you know. I did that for 23 years, except I wasn't new again. That's, that's fine. Do, do, do that to the union. No, I've been a union, union carpenter for 20 years. Or, oh, oh ah. 20 years. Are you looking for work? I'm a big hole in my right foot right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll come to Chicago, flip some homes with me. <laughs> you know. That'd be, that'd be a good deal, but I got, I got a young one here. I, got, I have to stay with her. Uh-huh. No, I have a young one. No, I was talking about business, business just business, strictly, strictly business. Yeah. And uh, strictly business and being a carpenter, you could do like porches, docks, um, I do training, I, I, I imagine, you know. Yeah, I could do anything. Anything you, you think of, I can do it. Anything with carpentry. I do. I just thought that maybe somebody that's interested in while they're waiting to go back to work, maybe they might want to do some construction because I found a program in Chicago that you could buy so many houses, like three houses at a time for super duper cheap and then you got 60 days to finish them up. You know, yeah. and I, I just, I can't just sit here being attacked every day. You know, I want to, I want to work, you know. Yeah, yeah, keep busy. Keep busy. Yeah, keep busy, you know. So, and like I said, I had my company for 23 years. I do uh, professional designing and, um, you know, I design my own jobs and everything. So... Um, anybody you know that wants to work and come out here for a few months, hey, send them send them to me. You know, yeah. yeah I, I love it. I love to be in our stuff. I got I got a six year old little girl that means more to me than anything. Oh, but, they're uh, so cute. They're so cute when they're but wait till they start yes. talking. <laughs> so, I got my daughter. And, yeah, she's a good girl. Yeah, yeah, I love, yeah. I love her more than anything in the world. Uh huh. Children so, are the best thing in the world. That's why I'm yes. doing this, Mike. You know, I am yeah. doing this. I've got a son. I've got a daughter. They're both growing. I've got a granddaughter, and my granddaughter is 20 years old. And I'm doing this for our future children because I don't yeah. want to see yours, mine, somebody else to go through this. Hell no. No, I don't. No, either. I was grunting. So, but no, I don't either. 
And this is why I'm out there. If I was to go out there on Monday, I got enough evidence to throw the books at them, okay? But I decided that I'm going to stick with this group until whenever, and I'm going to do something about it so so that if we do it as a group, then it's going to be stopped once and for all. It's going to be banned from the United States and our children or grandchildren or even great-grandchildren don't ever have to see this. No, that's, you're right. They don't, they, you know, they don't need to see this. They don't need to feel this. They don't need to know anything about this. Yeah. It's just total, total bullshit. What's going on? Yeah, it is. Well, I they gotta get don't. out of the city for a while to see if what would happen. Okay, I ended up going out to California while my husband stood here, and you know he, uh, you know, took over this place, and I was out there, and sure enough, I was followed out there. I wanted to see if I went somewhere else. What would happen? I thought maybe yeah. it was just a community thing. Oh no, it's all over. There's no matter where you go, you're followed. You know, so we got to fight yeah, for our all. kids. Yes, exactly. You we know. have to fight for our kids. We have to fight yeah. for our kids, and we got to say, okay, I'm not just thinking about me. You know, I'm thinking about everybody. And I'm going to stick this out to whatever it takes. And that's where I've been at ever since, well, 2015 is when I found out what this was. But 2007 is when it started. I'll take you a look. Somebody better wake up because they're snoring in their ears. (laughs) <laughs> he, 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 he probably don't know it. Yeah, they probably don't know it. <laughs> so, you know, they don't I have don't no, no TIs um, that are doing anything out there. Oh, you know, I could, I could hook, up you, hook you up with somebody that is trying to get more states involved. Right now, yeah. we got eight states. Okay, what, what, Ohio what is not one of them. Uh, I, I, I'm in, I'm in Ohio. I have, I have a, okay. I, have a, I know the person I talked to. Ohio is very important. Okay. Well, what part of Ohio are you in, by the way? Close to Youngstown. Where is that near? What a big city! Uh, north, north, it's northeastern Ohio. It's close to Youngstown. Okay. Well, what we need to do is we need to grab Ohio. There is a, actually a guy and a girl, husband and wife, that live in Ohio. They have been targeted for a long time, and heard that the cops out there are really bad. You know. Um, yeah. So we could grab the state of Ohio, and we got Illinois, of course, and maybe we could grab Wisconsin, and uh, 
you know, on the states east, like Indiana, you know, over there, Indiana, right. Kentucky, Tennessee, you know, because if we get, even if we got 30 states with all the TIs there is, we yeah. could have our 50, we could have our golf, we could have our 50,000. And they right. can sit there and totally tell it. us we're, we're, we're lying. all 50,000 people are crazy or something. No? Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Like so you have a little like girl that, well, I just been a very strong individual <clears throat> since I was really young, you know. My dad was a car, uh, contractor, and he always taught me that when you get older, because he, he knew he was going to die because he had, met, you know, Ill, he had physical illnesses. Right, he knew he wasn't going to Live a, he knew he wasn't gonna live a long life, you know. And uh, so he told me, whatever you do, don't never get partnership with anybody, and don't ever get a job dirty in your hands, you know. So I went in construction, and I lasted. Well, actually, until I herniated my spinal cord, and then I had to have a fusion done. And that's why I got out of my business, but I still pay my corporation uh, fees every year. So I want to go back into it. The thing is, is I need the workers to do it, you know. Now I need the workers. I need new workers because my old workers are retired or, like I said, my one guy passed away, you know. I mean, I had 16 people working for me. Yep. Um, But, yeah, let's do this together and, you know, let's let's full force. And, you know, we could win the people, all the TIs, and even non-TIs. And I'm going to tell you something. Give you some education uh, or educated advice. Is we also need non-TIs because some a lot of non-TIs are very strong political people, and they believe like we do. Nobody's going to take our country. We want our right. freedom, you know. Just uh, making them making them believe. They right. So we need the people. See, that's what's wrong. It's not that the people don't believe us. They're just so scared shitless to know that this is going on, okay? And that my country, and then when they find out this is true, that's when they want to go full force. That's when we grab people that are high, high up, okay? And that's when we start winning. And right. it's better than it's been in the last... 10 years. Why? Because now we got TI day. Yeah. Hey, you know no, what the purpose is? So. I can hear y'all speak. They're like silence. Okay. And then the other night, they, they kicked me out of there like five times. And then they like echoed my voice so I could hear myself talk. Uh-huh. 
Did you hear about that doctor, um, that one doctor out of Miami? No. That he's what about? Take, he's, take, he's taking TIs. He's taking TIs. He went to extra schooling to learn about where these uh, implants are being put at. And he, he, he gives you a choice of whether he's you want to stay in the hospital a couple of days and have him out, or he will give you somebody that's in your community that is also working with it. And then they, then you could have the implants taken out there. That would be that's excellent. Cool. That would be the, that would be like the greatest thing that ever happened. Well, it is. He's already been doing it. He's out of Miami, Florida. Uh, one of our people that, he have he have a talk show. Um, he don't go on as much as he used to, but he's doing a lot of YouTube. Uh, Wolverine, his name is Wolverine. Let me give you the doctor's name. If you have a pun, I think it's Doctor Howler. One minute, and I'll get that information for everybody. Now, he's an ENT specialist. Now, this made sense to me. And what they do is they put a chip all in your area, right, of, of your uh, sinus area. And the, uh, the reason they put it there is because your brain goes all the way back to the end, almost the end of your sinuses. Okay? And yes. then that clacks up everything. Doctor, ready? His name is Dr. Hoffer. H-O-F-F-E-R. Hoffer. H-O-F-F-E-R. Okay. Okay. And he's out of Miami, Florida. Let me get you a number. I don't have anything to write. Oh, you have nothing to write on? Okay. I have nothing to write with. I'm living out of my closet. And I don't care who it is. We all need to get out of that closet and show that we have fear of nothing. Okay, you got that number? Um, I'm looking it up because I have to. Okay, 305-243-1484. And he's an okay. ENT specialist. Okay, great. Uh, now, there's people that have uh, appointments with him already. And um, actually, this is unusual, but pretty much that the government said, hey, question mark, is this really happening or not? And since he had the extra schooling, and he knows how to look for them. Actually, the gov K 
contacted him and say, we want you to check these people out. Now, I don't know how true that factor is, but it's, it's worth getting an appointment and you just tell them that your ears and your sinus area, your ears, you're going right under your ears, it's all hurting you, and you need to see this doctor. Right now, he's like in the mid-October to see any, you know, to see other people. But I do know somebody that has an appointment, and he's one of the team leaders I'm here too. Uh, and he's seeing them like October 9th. So when I call his doctor, I just tell him that I suspect that I might have been implanted. No, you make an you make an appointment, and you tell them that you are a TI, you are a target individual. And all you gotta do is set up an appointment. Or you have to get out to Florida to do something. You have to oh, get yeah, out there. Now yeah, there's another suggestion before you go out there. You know these places that offer free hearing tests and stuff like that. Well, when they're doing when they when they give put these implants in you, it blocks up all your sinus area, your hearing, your your everything, okay? And your sinuses goes halfway through your all the way to halfway of your brain. And by that, by by getting one of those here free hearing tests, that could prove that you are being targeted and that you do have implants. Yeah. And he's listed. Um, I don't have an exact address, but he is listed right under Miami at the University of Miami. So right now we're looking at if you called like Monday to make an appointment, it would probably be like the end of October. Mid to October. Somebody needs to slap themselves and wake up. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Too bad y'all can't yeah. like mute it. <laughs> well, it, it is kind of disturbing. But this is kind of like a miracle that's happened since this doctor has started taking TIs. And we're really blessed with this. But like I said, he could, you could stay. And the one girl that went out there, she went to a TI, went to go see him. She says it was worth every penny she spent. And I don't know. I see me. I got insurance. So um, I do have an appointment, but I've got insurance. I would probably say anywhere from 200 to 350. Oh, that's not bad at all. That's nothing. No, it's not. So he just took out. So he just took out one implant or multiple implants or what? I know, no. Her choice, she there was a choice. Whether you 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 stay here for three days and I think I believe this is how it went. You stay here two or three days and we'll take the implants out of you 
or you go to your local doctor, and these are the doctors that are taking TIs. So basically, I don't know if he's nationwide. He is involved with talking to other doctors that also know about this. He has a profession, you know, an experience with it. But the only thing I could tell you is I just know one girl that did go out there and had a big success. And then she can went out to work. Huh? Can you text me, text me the number? Text you the number? Okay. Yeah, I could do well, that. Yeah, I, I could have, do I that. Have, no have, problem. I have, yeah. I have a lot of things physically that's wrong with me that I could prove that something happened. Well, we can put it this way. This is for this is like a miracle of this doctor coming on the woodwork and saying, I am working with TIs. I am being yeah. on this doctor and I am not gonna play murder, you know, period. Yeah. Okay. Well there's so, good people out there. There's good people out there. There's still there is. Yeah. There really and, is. Yeah. And if you do you know the story about Richard Kane? Yeah. And the one that he proved that him and all his family, and he had two kids, actually a child, nine years old, and I believe seven years old, and they were complaining that their stomach was hurting them. He brought them to the emergency room, and they told him that they, they're his children, he had chips in them. So he won the case, and you could look it up. Richard Kane, targeted individual. That's C A I N. Awesome. And he, he had a little bit law, you know, background. So what he did was he took it to court. In fact, President Obama was involved with that lawsuit. Yep. So if we all do this together and we have the and we do it all together, we don't have to wait till April. Okay? We we might be able to get to the Supreme Court by February. There's a lot of people working on it, but what we need to do is join all as one organization, not seven, eight, or ten, you know, and just be all together and and get the United States back back where it was, you know? Yeah. Yes. I agree with you. And, uh, I, I, I'm not trying to do or be anybody better or I don't want my name in a history book. I just want to hear one word, uh, one sentence. We did it all together. Period. Yeah. Yes. You know, right. I mean, there is people that are out there that claim they have something going and that they're an organization and so on and so on. But the only re- way that you're going to get in, in, in with them is if you... Pretty much, if they get in the history book, I said, for F that shit, that shit is no good, 
if we don't do it all as one community, we we could be here another ten years. I don't have yeah. time. No, I don't. I think you don't. I don't either. I got. I have three freaking heart attacks. I almost died on the last one. Okay, if I wouldn't have got to that hospital at that moment, I would have been dead. My heart was barely beating from the attacks. So I don't have ten years. Thank you. Thank you. And we all got to do it. We got to all be strong. Just be strong and say we are going to make it. And like I said, just one sentence. Not I did it because my name is John Jackson or something. We did it because we reunited the United States. That's it. That's all you need as one community. I will call you, you know, I mean... um, and any questions that you might want to put together, um, you, you don't work, so I could probably call you during the daytime. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, have, I have physical proof of what they've done to me. I have pictures. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, take pictures of what they've done to me. How about plate numbers? Of they, what they've done. Uh, what's that? Start taking plate numbers. Anytime you see somebody follow you, you get suspicion. You know, you know, you can you can just they, pick it up. They follow me making a, a morning death call. The morning thing. That's what they call me. I don't. You know they, what? They have, they have tortured my feet so badly, in real. They, yeah, my they, my they and my feet, my feet and my muscles are all messed up too. Oh, you know, so I, I, have, I have pictures of it. <laughs> well, when you go out there, and like say you go to a Walmart, and, yeah. or any grocery, any grocery store, but particularly Walmart, they yeah. love Walmart. I don't know why, but they love Walmart. We were followed to a whole store. In fact, we made off like we didn't notice them. And then when yeah. they went out of that parking lot, we followed them all the way home just about. And well, I got all the information and their address and everything else. Okay? That's why it's so important. You. Huh? They want they stock me. They, they want I'm going to. I will beat the fucking shit out of them if they were on me. They don't stalk me. They they just torture me. That's just what they do. Remember, don't get don't no matter what how pissed you are or get, don't show no action or emotion. Right. That's what they want. They yeah. want you. To see how far they could put you so that they could lock our asses up. Okay? Yeah. So I tell all my people, I am a team leader. I also am the founder of Citizens Justice. So I'm working two different, two different kind of organizations here. I'm working my own, 
and I'm helping somebody else out with the rallies and everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're doing a great you know, job. I've, thank you. But it takes, you know, it's it just it only takes an hour a day to go out and and make yourself a poster that you that you, you are breaking the law. See, I would say 60 to 70% of the people that are doing this, they don't know why they're doing it. You know, they don't know why. They don't know why they're being asked to help out. They're just doing it because the money's there. You know? So, what does it take? You go to Dollar Tree, you buy a notebook, and you tell the people, listen, we'd like to keep you up to date. I work with an organization, and they like to know. So, say you do your pitch and tell them what's going on and say, we are trying to break the system of of criminals working for us. And if you could kindly, so I could report to my head leader, put in your name along with your email address. See, this way, you're not asking for their phone number or their address, just an email address. And say, we will keep you up to date and let you know when we're going to have our next rally right here in our state. You know, so this, what does this do? It gets another person that's serious and wants to know why this is going on. Okay. Yeah. And these are all my ideas that I have put together myself. Okay? Yes. Yeah. You you, you sound great. Thank you. Yeah, well, I was chosen out of three. So, you know, let's hope that we can get the strong people that want to stop this. And like I said, it takes a little poster to stand out and say, can I get your attention, please? Uh, and, you know, I would like to know, have you heard about organized stalking through the U.S. and all over the world? And then you go on from there. Because at that time, by then, you should have your devoted attention. And then after you're done explaining how this is a crime, okay, and what they're committing, okay, and going against the Constitution, they want they want to know this, and so therefore, say, could you please sign and print or print your name with your email address, and they'll be more glad to. So I've been having some success on it. You know, I mean, there's there's nothing else you could do. But just go out there and get as many people involved as possible. Yeah, definitely. And whoever is making all that noise, please stop it. Stop being so rude. No, it's not that. There's two people on here. You know? Yeah. Well, my head is running as well. (laughs) I mean, I don't think. 
something. Yeah, it sounds like a car motor or something. <laughs> How long have you been a TI? All my life. I just found that out. No. I said, how long have you been a TI? All my life. Target. Four years? Four years? Forty-nine years. Forty-nine? I've known from all the things that happened to me in my childhood. And everything's done. The last three years has just been torturing me. Oh, my God. Um, I don't don't believe in schizophrenia. So, like, a lot of things have been told in my head when I was a child, you know what I mean? I know it wasn't it wasn't anything else but that. Do you think it has anything to do with your family? It might have something to do with my bloodline. Huh. Yeah. That's terrible. it's terrible. Like I meant the right I ran into the wrong people and as they told you I tried to help them because he had nowhere to go. And I let them in my house. says, you know, I got extra room here. If you could pay a little bit, you know, help me out with the utilities a little bit, you know. I think we could work something out. So she was the only one that was working. And they said, sure, we could do $50 a week or even 75 And not even a week or two goes by. And they were violently fighting in my apartment, and, and it was terrible, you know. And yeah. um, I found I'm out they were person. severe alcoholics. Well, I don't person. judge people by what they do as long as they don't do it to me, you know. My no, mother well, was murdered for me. treat everybody good, you know what I mean? They murdered. They murdered my mother three years ago. They it's sure horrible. Did. What happened, Christine? Christina? They just murdered my mom. So I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry thank to hear you. that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, all. Because the thing is, what goes somebody. around comes around. Okay. Uh, oh, wait. Sooner or later. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we got to make sure that this only goes around one time, and that's it. And it's, it's up to us. You know, it really is. Yeah. I like, I like listening because to you. Because we have a nice hole for them for when this is over and it will be over for them it will yeah because their hole is going to be in the fucking unemployment line and they'll never never because if you think about this this is attempted murder and they notice how sick and shit they are they go out and get young kids to ruin young kids' lives and stuff like that, you know, 20-year-olds, 18-year-olds. I've seen them as young as 14-year-olds, you know, to ruin their life. Yes, they do. And especially the homeless. Oh, that's the big, that's big time payoff there. 
Mm-hmm. Get some drugs or whatever, yeah. Sure, you know, and then it can, oh, yeah, well, he was a druggie, so he deserved what he got. Yeah, who was a druggie? You mean you drugged them? Is that what it was? Okay. This is something needs to stop and now, okay, because if all, all citizens, not just T.I., don't get together and knock, and pretty much knock down the judge till he slams it and says, order granted, no more electronic weapons ever in the United States, ever, that, and it's banned for good, and that everybody gets paid for their inconvenience. And who any anybody who has kids should have their kids checked out to make sure that these kids don't have chips in them. You know, oh, definitely. I mean, definitely. That that Richard uh, Kane, C A I N, he had two kids. That's how he he found out that him and his wife also had chips in them. Because his kids were crying, saying, Daddy, Daddy, my stomach's hurting me, getting up in the middle of the night, crying, until he brought them to the emergency room, and then that's when he found out, and then that's when he started a case, and he won. I think that every one of them got nine or ten million each. Yep. Well, as far as going with me and my children... Well, I would get them checked out, you know, and... Yes, definitely. Thank you. Yeah, you, you know. Um, hey, chill, hey, kids, you want to go to Orlando? You know, on the way, we got to stop at the doctor, though, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this doctor will look at them, say, hey, these are my kids, you know, or my daughter, you know? Yeah. Could you check them yeah. out? No? Yeah, you, you fuck with them, I'm going to kill you. Unbelievably, though, is that there is one way you can find out what are you, your, you got a magnetic chip in you, is by going to, like, one of these. You ever hear a bell tone? They no. do, like, hearing tests and stuff. They make hearing aids. Yeah. By going to one of these places that give you free tests, they give you free hearing tests and say, I'd like to have a copy of that. And then you would, you could maybe send it over to him and he could take a look at it before you go for any appointment and it could save you a lot of money. And this way, you could also have your kids. Your you have one daughter only, or what? Well, I, no, I have four daughters, but my youngest one's six. Four? Yes. So how old? Wait, now, the oldest is nine. You said? No, my oldest is my oldest is like twenty-eight. So. Oh, okay. So who's the who's the little one? So how old are they? Six, six one, six-year-old Maya. It's not okay. a baby. I love that little girl more than anything. Is that your, with your wife now or what? 
No, no, she she couldn't deal with this anymore. She she left me. She, she couldn't take all all everything I was going with, so she left me. So I'm sorry to hear that, Mike. No, it's probably Please. a good thing. But it's not good for the baby, but it's good for it's good for for me. My husband has has threatened to leave me so many times because he says I brought problems in the family and blah 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 blah. And I just believe and I I I believe that you could try and try and try until you can't try no more. So I don't know where it's gonna end up. I'm gonna probably end up being a you know a divorcee. Because I made a wrong choice. So not only that I'm going to lose, you know, that what I've lost and what I had to go through, but I also lose my marriage because of them. Okay? He's going to have somebody that can support you. He's someone that that can support you. you If if they don't believe you and they don't support you, then what what are you going to do? Right. You and support you and help you. Instead of, do you, do you have custody of your daughter or what? Do I have what? You have custody of your daughter? Yes. That's great. That's wonderful. I love kids. Believe me. I really love kids. And I only had two of my own, but I was pregnant seven times and I had five miscarriages, so... You know, I mean, yeah, well, I don't want to tell you my life story, but, I mean, believe me, I would have had one big family, you know, because I love You can tell me, you can tell me, you call me. Yeah, well, you know, I was raised around a big family. There was five kids in my family, and, uh. You know, that's why I wanted a big family myself, you know, but didn't work out, but that's okay, you know. There's, I got nieces and nephews and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. I I wish that you were going to the rally, I really do, you know. Which, which rally? Yeah. Chicago? Yeah, why don't you um, go to Chicago? So, oh, that's not too far. No, it's not too far. What? What? What's the date of August? August twenty ninth. Where's the one in Washington D.C.? Oh, that one's in April. It's a different organization. Um, it's supposed to be targeted justice, but I don't know. I don't have too much faith in them. But they are gonna try to get a hearing earlier than April. But I think it wouldn't be a good choice yet because we need our goal to have, like I said, 50,000, at least 25,000 people. Because if we don't have enough, we're going to get kicked in the ass and thrown out the door. And then we got to wait, what, another five years? I don't think so. Yeah. No, the one in Chicago is August 20th. Yeah, no, that's August 29th. It's all over the world. That's T.I. Day. They're going to have a downtown Chicago. 
Huh? Yeah, I know. I tomorrow, not tomorrow, but Monday, I put my I'm putting my contribution in, and I'm helping out to buy some of the the equipment to uh, so that everybody is heard. So whether it's amplifiers or whatever, I'm participating in that. Like Monday, we're gonna do it because beginning of the week it's gotta be done Monday to have in order to have a delivery by Wednesday. You know? Yeah. I'm I'm a major so, dog to the point where the twentieth. That sucks. Yeah. Got, when do you think you're going foot. back to work? Are you are you going back to work soon or I have what? a big What's I have story? a big hole in my right foot. Oh do you? I, they, Yes, I have a big hole in my right foot that keeps stretching in the part. It hurts like hell. I, I have a doctor's for it. A, a, a wound specialist. That's what it is. Hmm. Say well, just keep yourself together. That's all I can say. Is that it's what yeah. I've been through. I I've been. I mean, I I'm, I'm in love. No, so pain. much. It put me on a lot of like things. I says, I I don't know. Like, looks like my relationships going down the hole. So, oh, my relationship went down the hole. I don't know. It just he his threatening to divorce me because he says that I have what problems in our our relationship. I haven't by talking to anybody and you know that's it don't take it down no no you know like you said I agree with you if they can't support you then they never were good for you anyways you know no my my uh, my ex-wife never never supported me so does she, she know about this? She'll believe it. She'll believe what I say. So I, I don't, I don't talk to her about it. I'm not, I, 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 I live with her. I don't live with her anymore. How long you been uh, divorced? I, I was still in, in, in stages of getting divorced, but I, 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 I talked to uh, like the CI or whatever, but they. I'd rather be with another TI so we can please what's going on than to be with a non TI and have to try to explain all this to them. Uh-huh. Well, like, I'm going to give you the same advice. If she can't give you no support, then she has no, you know, consideration for you. No, no support. I congratulate you on your child, though, you know. That's good. You got it. She wants to be with me, but she's just so smart. She's so worried about, you know, because, like, the last two years, I haven't been, maybe it's a little lighter when I have sex or whatever, you want to you know, want to be from where I have boyfriends or whatever, so. Yeah. So, do you still see her occasionally as a relationship? Yeah, I still see. Her. I, I, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I just. I get along with her. I just. You know, I mean, I just. I don't. 
I get it, because, you know, I, my daughter still wants to see her and stuff, so. Uh-huh. I mean, your your daughter, she's her mother, right? Yeah, she's, actually, she's with her today. She was with me the last six days, and she's with her today. Uh-huh. Well, that's yeah, good. Daughter, I mean, so you have, like, chair custody, right? Yeah, and she's with me most of the time. She would be I wish you would come to Chicago and participate, you know. I mean, I'd, I'd it would be great. 20th, though? 29th. 29th? Okay, well, I could make Yeah. That. Oh, really? That would be great, you know. I mean, yeah, we're just yeah, going to be talking that. to people. You could sign in, you know, um... You, you think your daughter would, could stay with your ex-wife uh, for a few days or yeah. what? Yes, yeah, she, yeah, she could. Yes, yeah, I don't want to involve her in this, you know? Yeah. I want to be back for more than a day. That's it. I want to stay away from for more than a day. Well, let me tell you, last year what happened to me for TID. So I was going to pick out medicine at Walgreens, and there was a fireman. Uh, well, he had fireman plates on, and he made a phone call. I guess he said to them, oh, I tracked her down, okay? He put the yeah. phone down and took off after that. Somebody told him, stay clear away from T.I. for that day. It was so quiet. It was like we had our freedom back. I am not kidding you. Okay? Now, whatever's going to happen, we got our permits, so everything's rocking and rolling. You know? Yeah. So, if you want to have a little fun and participate with other T.I.'s, you know, how long do you think it would take you to drive in from Ohio? Or would you fly uh, in? Well, part of Chicago to that. Well, downtown Chicago. It's right by the federal building. I don't know the exact address, but I could get it. I, I could find it. In Illinois. I had to go through Indiana to Illinois. I'd be at that. Well, if you're coming from Ohio and you fly, it probably can't cost that much money, right? Well, no, I'll, I'll drive. I need, you know, I need a vehicle. Okay. But the only thing is, downtown yeah. Chicago is very expensive to park. This idiot, this idiot cop, stopped me. You're not going to believe this. He gave me a ticket for tinted windows. Not shitting you. He said, and I proved my point in court and won. And I had said, I brought a lawyer with me and everything. Oh, yeah. And I told for, him, for I, I got a six-page document, your officer. I got a six-page document to tell you that you are wrong. Because if you have a van or SUV or a crossover, you could have your windows as dark as you want in the back. 
Oh, that's cool. So, I, I got I yeah. got a Dodge Caravan, so. Oh, oh so do I. <laughs> I got a 2012 Dodge Caravan. Mine's a 15. Huh? Mine's a 15. Mine's a 15. Yeah. But, but, I don't know. I'm thinking about buying a, you ever see the new Atlas Volkswagens? They're really no, nice. It's right a crossover. Now. It's an SUV. Actually, it's an SUV. But what I'm thinking about doing is keeping this for when I start flipping my homes, which will be, I hope, within the next month or two. And what I'm going to do is use this for, like, my construction van and then yeah. my new... My new vehicle is going to be um, crossover, but Volkswagen offers 72,000 miles, and I like that, and that covers everything, you know, on your vehicle, as long as it's not over seven, what is it, seven years or 72,000 miles. Yep. So I'm thinking about doing that and just keeping this for to keep my materials in. I just want to go to work to, to get this, to, so that I'm not sitting here all day long looking at YouTube, thinking about this. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm, I am more classy than their bullshit, you know. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I like the way you talk. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's just, if you're, I've been in this 10 years, 12 years almost, I'm between 10 and 12, because I don't know exactly when it started, but I know at least 10. And I just feel that my dad taught me when I was little, if you want something, you got to fight for it, you know? Yeah. And I, I am yeah. not going to give my country away for nothing. Yeah. So I don't well, want I remember, somebody to tell, huh? I remember when I was six years old and I, there was a big frog, a huge frog, a huge. And it, I, was, I, had a BB, I had a BB gun and a voice told me in my head not to shoot the thing. So they've been talking in oh. my head for a long time. Uh-huh. I, I remember things yeah. when I was a kid. You know what I mean? I don't believe it's yeah. right now. Man, I don't believe it's these people talk in your head. There's, there's no such thing as hearing voices in your head. That it's them. They do this to us. Well, oh, there's, okay, so now I got some more information for you. There's yeah. what you call a quiet, it's a silent ear, um, what do they call it? An ear, a hearing aid. You could buy yeah. it off of Amazon. Now, I know somebody that just bought that because of that Dr. Hoffer. That's what he suggests, that a silent hearing hearing aid will quiet the, the voices down and stuff like that. So that's something you could look into, too. And it's, it's not that much money, either. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So, 
It's a, it's considered a silent hearing aid. Yeah. Um, Kyle, which is a guy that he's a young kid, about thirties, and you know he's doing the YouTubes all the time. His his he goes by Wolverine W O L V E R I N E. And they're they're targeted um, individual on YouTube. If you look him up, Vulcan. That's it. Vulcan Wolverine. YouTube. Yes. I don't think I heard you on here before, but I'm here pretty often. You know. Yeah. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, there's always, do you know about Ella Free? Yeah, I heard Ella. Yeah, Ella's really good. I like her a lot. She's very serious. Um, I don't say too much with Ella. She's she's pretty passive. I'm not passive, but she's passive, so I just listen. Well... I, I know that um, she's serious and I like her because of that. And yeah. she's got a lot of higher upper people on interviews. So that's another thing I like about her. You know, and you're not, she doesn't ever twist her arm to talk or anything. And, you know, you could do all the listening you want and learn from her, you know? Yeah. So. But uh, if you're if you're gonna actually come here to twenty nine, you know I I like to know. This way I could put you on our list that you'll be here. You know, and it would be really nice to have you. Yeah. I'd like to be there. Well, how long do you think it takes to? Are you like near yeah. Cincinnati? Yeah, or any I'm other Are you like by Cleveland or by Cincinnati? Oh, or is that the Oh okay. Okay, so that's funny. You and me got the same kind of vehicle. Oh my God, that's funny. Well, I bought it because I, I bought mine because I was traveling, and I needed to put my stuff as much as I could. My computer, my TV, my I mean, I just wanted to get out of here because of the bullshit that was going on. I I told Lieutenant. Go, let me tell you something. I don't know what this is, but I know it's something, and I know it's something that is illegal. So if nobody's going to help me out here, I will figure this out. And then, whoever, whenever I figure this out, that's when I go to court. Especially the way I feel. Like, I've had my rights taken away. So, 
And that was and like was 2013. Yeah. And I and I just say, you know, I just said how I really felt like my rights were getting taken away. I did not know this until I looked up on the internet. Well, what I did is I put in what was going on in my life, that things were being taken from me, and you know, I, you know, I, I, I was calling the police, and they weren't doing anything, and you know, my house was getting broken into, and all kinds of shit, you know, and uh, that's when I found that it says, "Do you know what gang stalking is?" I says, oh, here it is. And you know what? I wasn't too shocked. Not with all the corruption that happens in Chicago and everywhere else. Okay? That the police were involved. Yeah. But what really shocked me was the firemen. The firemen? They're They're all old. Yeah, well, they need help. Yeah, they need need a lot of help. Yeah. They're uh, they're doing this to their own souls. I'm, I'm you know, condemning I'm, their own I'm, souls. I really want to say that I'm glad that we met tonight because I felt that I could help you, and talking to you also helps me because we can't do this alone, you know. We just no, can't. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, twenty-five to three in the morning. Together. Are you on Central Time or what? Um, I'm on uh, Eastern Time. It's, it's uh. Oh, you're on Eastern Time. It's three thirty-five here. Okay. From, oh, that's two thirty-five uh, here. So only yeah. hour ahead. How How is your sleeping habits? You have. Do you sleep um, well at all? Yeah, I sleep well, but like I was drinking, I was drinking beer, beer earlier today, and you know. But, and I'll tell I'll you pass. what, I'll tell yeah. you what. If I meet you, you are going to eat because I'm Italian, and that's what we do. We make people I know. eat. <laughs> I know. I try and do that. I try and do yeah. Great cook. I am a very good cook, but just. Since my kids are not home anymore, I'm kind of slacked off, but I could pick it up again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I like to cook. I really do. But, I you know, do. it's I like, especially like that. when there's a family, you know, I mean, that's nice, you know. But, yeah. you know, I lost my brother too. I didn't tell you. So my mother died. In 2016, my brother got shot in 2017. That's horrible. He was he was a Chicago cop. Yeah, I know. Yeah, sorry Thank you. Hey, I cry. I'm sorry, but uh, it's, it's, it's still so soon. it's only two years. You know, just made two years. He died in August as well. Well, they murdered my mother. I did the worst, you know. I just murdered my mother. 
she was the best woman. And, you know, we lost our dad when I was only 12 years old. My mom and dad were many years apart from each other. So she was only 39 years old when he died. And she raised all five kids by herself. Never had no interest in dating or anything. All she says is, I live for my kids. That was her enjoyment. Yeah. So when I was everything. Yeah. That's beautiful to say something like that. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I was a big family because of saying anything, you know, was because, that I, you know, if all in all doesn't work out and my marriage didn't work out, I'd have my children, you know. Yeah. So, but, you know, kids are, they grow up and they go on their own. It's like, you're lucky to see them once a year, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's sad. So you have an older son or daughter. I have have an older, the model is 28, my youngest is 6. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I have, I have definitely a, a variation there. In between, you know, my uh, my youngest baby is 20, and then I've stepped out of this 14, and my youngest is 6. My youngest How old is the oldest one? How old is the oldest 20, one? 20, 20, 28. Oh, okay. Okay. 28 to 6, my, so that's a wide, wide variation. Yeah. Mm. May I ask how old you are? I'm 49. Okay. Okay. So I got a couple years in you, but what is age about anyway? So it's about the people and the hearts that's in the people. <laughs> I, hope I, said, I hope that sounded right. <laughs> you know? It, it really does. It is. It's about the person, you know? I mean, when we're yeah, young teenagers, it makes a difference, but after you turn 50, that's it. Everything don't matter, don't count, you know. It's, the only thing that counts is what's in your heart, like I said. But I really, yeah. I really am looking forward to you coming and helping out. And then, like I said, we'll all go out to eat. I want to see you eat. You can't. You get. You have to live on fuel. You know, you have to yeah. have something in your body to keep you going. You know, and yeah. vitamins are so important too. Vitamins. I take vitamins now, but I take vitamins. But um, as far as as far as eating goes, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't eat. Well, you need to do that. You really do. Yeah. Like I said, I'm Italian. I'm gonna have to make you eat. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? But okay, so like in 2013, when I went to the hospital, he said that I had barely no D in me. So he made me get on 50,000 milligrams a day of D because pretty much if you don't have D in you, you're a gardener, you know? So please, 
buy yourself 5,000 and take those twice a day or yeah. 10,000 once a day to be, to rebuild up your D vitamin in you, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. Do you drink like a lot of milk and stuff or no? I don't, I don't drink anything. I don't eat anything, drink anything. Uh-huh. I drink I drink some beer at night. That's it. I don't drink anything. I don't eat anything. Nothing. Uh huh. Well, that's where they put me at. I don't drink anything. Eat anything. Nothing. I just I drink some beer so I can relax and so go to sleep. That's about it. Well, like I'll go, I'll like go days. I'll go days without eating. I'll go days without eating. Uh huh. Like I said, it's a vitamin. Well, vitamin D is really important, and also glucosamine. Now, that is for because once you're on the program a long time, they start messing with your bones and your muscles and you know your joints and stuff. So that helps you to keep strong bones, muscles, and joints. Okay, so it's very important you have that and vitamin C. That that gives you you know the energy, and some girls just told me I'm only taking 500, but she said no, you need a thousand per day. So I don't know. I was thinking maybe I should build up 500 more milligrams per day because this shit will bring you down all the way. You know, yeah. I mean, it'll make you lose your energy. So. But I, I do take I my, a lot of vitamins. I I uh kratom and that gives me energy. Uh huh. But um yeah. Yeah, I don't know much else. Mm. Barely like I want to eat a meal all day. Yeah, this guy is still snoring. <laughs> I think yeah, so, huh? Yeah, I definitely well, fell asleep, boss. If if he fell asleep, I'll give you my number. You can call me anytime you want because I want I didn't want him to hear. Yeah, I'll give you my number. I'll give you my think number. You think you're good? Hold on. Oh shit! What can I do? Hold oh, hold on. I think I wrote it down. Okay. I think I. Is it an eight three zero? Just three three zero. Wait, wait. Let me raise the sober again. Okay, go ahead. Three three zero. Okay. Nine seven eight. Nine seven eight. Yeah. Two 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 nine four. Oh, okay. I I'm glad yes, you can. Because I had eight three zero. That's three three zero nine seven eight two two nine four. Okay. Well, I'm gonna get going for now, but if it's okay I give you a call tomorrow. Okay. You know. Okay. I mean we could go over some things that Maybe you might be able to help out with, you know. If not, all we need is you and and your 
and you to be around and be there and support everybody and you know get this get this ended. That's yeah. it. And all I could give yeah. you some websites too that okay, uh, give you a lot of information. Okay, talk to you later. Okay, talk to you. Bye. Yeah, okay, bye. Vision by Rick Joyner from Morningstar Publications. Lords of Hell are demonic army was so large that it stretched as far as I could see. Created into divisions, carrying a different banner. Almost divisions marched under the banners of pride, self-righteousness respectability, selfish ambition, unrighteous judgment, and jealousy. There were many more of these evil divisions beyond my scope of vision. But those in the vanguard of this terrible horde from hell seemed to be the most powerful. The leader of this army was the accuser of the brethren himself.
anybody there? Anybody there? Hello, hello, hello. The Galatians 2.20 level was so wide that there did not seem to be any danger of falling. An unlimited supply of arrows was available with the name Hope written on them. We shot some of them down at the vultures, and these arrows killed them easily. About half of those who had reached this level kept shooting, while the others began carrying the arrows down to Christians still on the lower levels. The vultures kept coming in waves upon the levels below. But with each wave, there would be fewer than before. From Galatians 2.20, we could hit any enemy in the army except the leaders themselves, who remained just out of our range. We decided not to use the arrows of truth until we had destroyed all the vultures, because the cloud of depression they created made the truth less effective. This was a great encouragement. The trap. The exhilaration of victory continued to grow in each of us. I felt that being in this army, in this battle, had to be one of the greatest adventures of all time. After destroying most of the vultures that had been attacking our mountain, we began picking off the vultures that still covered the prisoners. As the cloud of darkness dissipated, the prisoners were bathed in sunlight and began to wake up as if they had been in a deep sleep. They were immediately repulsed by their condition, especially by the vomit that still covered them and started cleaning themselves up. As they beheld faith, hope, and love, they also saw the mountain and ran towards it. Though the enemy horde sent arrows of accusation and slander at their backs, the former prisoners did not stop. 
By the time they got to the mountain, many had a dozen.
the primary issue for some will be money. Just as the American Civil War at times right back.
Hello again. Now we will demonstrate the last of our security checks, which is called the whole track security check. This long sec check or security check consists of hundreds of questions and takes stock of the subjects or pre-clears entire time track, including their quote unquote recollections of any past lives they believe they have had. And it literally is hundreds of questions. We will demonstrate a few of these. Okay, this is the security check. Have you ever enslaved a population? Have you ever sunk or otherwise destroyed a non-combatant vessel? Have you ever ordered or yourself committed genocide? Have you ever annihilated a population? Have you ever raped a child of either sex? Have you ever deprived people of hope? Have you ever destroyed a culture? Have you ever stolen a body from another being? Have you ever blanketed bodies for the sensation kick? Have you ever practiced terrorism? Have you ever been a coward? Do you deserve to be punished into eternity for something you've done? If so, what is it? Have you ever bred bodies for degrading purposes? Have you ever deliberately tortured somebody? Have you ever enslaved another being? Have you driven anyone insane? Have you ever been a pervert? Have you ever traded in others' bodies for profit or power? Have you ever practiced human sacrifice? Have you ever killed the wrong person? Is anybody looking for you? Did you come to Earth for evil purposes? Have you ever made a planet or nation radioactive? Have you ever been a traitor? Have you ever maimed and crippled other people's bodies? Have you ever caused the planet to disappear?
Have you ever made a practice of confusing people? Have you consistently practiced sex in some unnatural fashion? What question should be on this check for others? Have you ever torn out someone's tongue? Have you ever blinded anyone? Have you ever punished another by cutting off some part of his body? Have you ever deliberately mutilated bodies? Have you ever maltreated a pregnant woman or pregnant animal? Have you ever tried to persuade others there were thoughts they mustn't think? Have you ever smothered a baby? Have you ever had sexual relations with an animal or bird? Have you ever given anyone the third degree? Have you ever castrated anyone? Have you ever robbed a dead body? Have you ever made love to a dead body? Is there any question on this check I had better not ask you again? Have you ever shot or stabbed someone in the back? Have you ever been disloyal? Have you ever consistently made a practice of furnishing useless data? Have you ever been a pimp? Have you ever been a corrupt priest? Have you ever deliberately caused the same person to be committed to a mental institution? Have you ever boiled somebody's living body in oil? Excuse me. <laughs> ah, comic relief for a moment. Okay. All right. I'm ready to go. I'll repeat the question. Have you ever boiled somebody's living body in oil? Have you ever eaten a human body? Have you ever disfigured a beautiful thing? Have you ever flayed anyone alive? Have you ever been an abortionist? Have you committed rape? 
What should others be warned about concerning you? Have you ever interrogated another under torture? Have you ever acted as a double agent? Have you ever been a religious fanatic? Have you ever made yourself out to be stronger than you in fact were? Have you ever failed to rescue your leader? That's it. And there are many more questions to this security check. And in Scientology, this What has somebody told you not to tell? Have you ever decided you did not like some member of your family? Have you ever taken something belonging to somebody else and never given it back? Have you ever gotten yourself dirty on purpose? Have you ever refused to eat just to worry someone? Have you ever remembered something about yourself and not told anybody because you thought they wouldn't believe you or be angry at you? Have you ever bullied a smaller child? Have you ever broken something belonging to someone else? Do you have a secret? Have you ever done anything you were very much ashamed of? 
Have you ever deliberately given a teacher trouble? Have you ever lied to a teacher? Have you ever done something you shouldn't when you were supposed to be in bed or asleep? Have you ever told others bad stories about someone? Have you ever offered as an excuse for something you have done wrong that you are only a child or that you haven't grown up yet? Have you ever felt that your parents and home were good, too good for you? Is there anything you should tell your parents and never have? Have you ever ganged up on another child and made fun of him because he was different from the rest of you? Have you ever decided never to talk to someone again? Have you ever made your parents or teachers work harder than they should? Have you ever annoyed an adult by something you did or said? Have you ever lied to escape blame? Have you ever felt ashamed of your parents? Have you ever disappointed your parents? Have you ever felt sure your parents wouldn't understand something that had happened in school, so you didn't tell them? Have you ever been a coward? Have you ever told on anyone? Have you ever teased younger children? Have you ever cried till you got your own way? Have you ever picked on someone smaller than yourself? Have you ever upset anyone by throwing a temper tantrum? Have you ever hurt anyone by telling them you didn't love them anymore?
Hey folks, Fernando doing another video for more survivals. Before I go on with this video, let me just say, for you guys wondering about my third book, it's already up in Amazon and just needs to be approved by them. It's street survival skills, tips, tr tricks, and tactics for modern survival. It's the book I'm most proud of of the three I have published. I put a lot of work into it. It's just packed full of information. As the title says, just, just that tips, tricks, and tactics about how to get by when things get tough. If you like my first book, you're going to be loving this one. It, the amount of drawings, graphics, and sketches that I, I put into that book is, is, is pretty intense. I just cannot wait to see your guys' reaction to it. I, I have no doubt that you're going to be liking it a lot. Uh, so, yeah, I'll let you guys know as soon as that's ready. Post a, a link, a video. Now, this video is about what's happening right now in Argentina, which is pretty sad, actually. And the thing is this. Last night, Argentina had its uh, primaries for the presidential elections in October. Right now, the president of Argentina is Mauricio Macri, who's a more of a center-right kind of guy, friends with Trump, you know, a business guy. And he's actually been doing a great job in steering Argentina into the right direction. But being the mess that Argentina is, it hasn't been easy and things have been pretty tough. Now, Argentines being the kind of person that we tend to be, uh, some more stupid than others, unfortunately, decided the best thing to do now is go back to Cristina Kirchner. That's right. Uh, last night, with uh, a 15-point lead over Mauricio Macri, Cristina Kirchner is just ready to go back and take control of the country. Why are people voting that way? Uh, because of a number of reasons. Uh, the, the most simple thing would be, oh, people are stupid. Well, a lot of people are. Maybe not stupid, but ignorant, yes, for sure. That's something that uh, Cristina Kirchner made sure would happen, actually. She dedicated quite a bit of time. And this is very common. Trying to talk a little bit about survival and preparedness here from the political point of view, which is very unpopular. But from that point of view, one of the things uh, socialists and, and liberals and left-leaning kind of individuals do is, as soon as... Uh, these uh, left-wing types have a little bit of power. They always attack the children. And no, I'm not being mean. They always target children. If you see in different countries where they gain a little bit of control in, in terms of the government, they usually try to orient themselves through to the Ministry of Education or, or that, that kind of, of aspect because they know that as soon as they start filling up kids' heads, they're going to be having a, a strong base a few years later. And they're very good at that. So you have to grant them that. Now, Argentina, when Mauricio Macri won beating uh, Cristina Kirchner's puppet, uh, Daniel Scioli, four years ago, uh, Mauricio Macri won by a very small margin. It was a little bit of a miracle, but it was just one or two points. Now, when that happened, people would, you know, some friends and family would tell me, oh, you're coming back now, right, that Macri won? And I explained to them that, no, that's, that's really not how it works, because for a real change to take place, it's going to be taking an entire generation. It's not going to be something about four years. It's going to be maybe eight years, 10, 15 years until you have an entire generation that understands that you cannot go back to that corruption and populism and that that rhetoric of uh, left-wing 1970s madness. And that's something that um, it still hasn't happened. So no, I was not going to be going back to Argentina because Macri won. And soon enough, this is what's, what's happening right now. Cristina Kirchner is li likely to be a president or at least in control of the country once again. 
through another one of her puppets. So she, she's going to be like vice president and she has one of her, she actually has her, her secretary, her former secretary is going to be posing as, as president while she runs things. Um, it, it's sad. It, well, the reaction of the market was very clear. So this happened last, last night. Today, the market, the, the Argentine peso crashed, lost 25% of its value. The Argentine stock market fell 35% and the country is a mess. And they're already talking about food prices going to be going up 10% tomorrow. And lots of folks in the survival forums in, in Argentina are talking about this being another 2001. It could easily be that I mean, there's really, unless there's some kind of miracle in October, I don't see a way around this. And they have no one to blame but themselves. They did this to themselves because with these primaries, they are seeing what's going to be happening if this woman actually wins. They know that if she wins, no one with a, with a single cent, no investor anywhere in the world, and whoever is in Argentina with, with four bucks put together, he's going to be taking out of, out of those out of the country. Right now, people are running to sell those pesos into dollars, into gold, into silver, into buying anything of value because the currency is going to be losing value more and more until this woman is back in power and then it's just going to be another huge default most likely and the, the, the kind of thing they're well known for. And she's of course going to be blaming it, blaming it on Magri as if he's the one that is responsible.
Bigfoot does exist. Absolutely breathes, eats, mates, lives, and they are our brothers and sisters. They're not animals. They are human beings with a soul, just as all humans have. I have a Bigfoot spirit that helps protect my my area. I've got five spirits that protect my area. One is a Bigfoot. Would you trust children with Bigfoot? Yeah, I sure would, but I wouldn't trust a, you know an adult with them. Uh, adults are, you know, the first thing an adult would think is uh, basically kill, and they pick up your thoughts. They're excellent at telecommunication. They can pick up your thoughts in a second. But uh, if you turn around and face one of these beings, just be casual, like, hi, it, it, it's good to see you. Would you care to sit down and, uh, you know, make motions of eating and pull out some food? Um, you can, oranges and apples, they understand apples. I don't know if ours in the Pacific understand oranges so much as those that go through Florida and stuff, but uh, uh, peel the orange. They'll so kill it, so you teach them how to eat it right. They don't want to be killed, and they don't want to be captured, and frankly, they don't want to be bothered with you, basically. They want to be left alone, but we're building and building and tearing away at their places. Do you know of any, any stories of Bigfoot actually killing somebody? Any stories? Or Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, up in British Columbia, an area where people disappear, and uh, they find their bodies occasionally and their heads are off. They don't find the heads. And that's one of the, you know, they got a little too close and a little too unfriendly. And they got a big gun. Well, yeah, yeah, they, they have killed people. Uh, generally in self-defense. They know if you're around. And they'll see and smell you and hear you long before you're in in their immediate area and uh, so they have a variety of ways of stealth and uh, one is just blending into the trees and bushes uh, basic you know uh, black ops stealth that uh, we train our seals and stuff with the other though is uh, um, actual invisibility where they can become a chameleon and become the whatever is around them. And I've learned to do that myself, but they, they're good and they're fast. They're very fast. It takes me, oh, gosh, upwards of an hour, but usually about 10 minutes. And let's say you live in a cabin in the woods. You come home one night, you find a big foot in your living room. What do you do? Ask him what channel he's watching. <laughs> Uh, leave the door open and just, uh, I personally, I would do that. I would leave the door open if it isn't open and uh, stand back from the door quite a ways. And maybe I'd probably, me, I'd probably just sit there to let him go about his curiosity and, and trashing the place and all that jazz. And uh, just, you know, he you're probably in there and mad. Because you build a cabin out in the woods and it's his area and he just happened to come home that month and here you are. And uh, whether the cabin's been there or not for many, many years, 
you're in it. It was abandoned. So he's he's angry. He wants to know who's living in his house in the woods. So back out quite a ways, you know, and sit down and just be casual. You know, I just said, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he'll come out the door and look at you. He might even go, ah, you know. Well, at that sign, at that sign, slowly stand up and get the hell out of there. Really, slowly. Turn your back. The guy doesn't want you around or the gal. And get out of there. And it, But don't go running off in fear because it senses that. But if you just casually stroll off, like, okay, my casa's your casa, you know, uh, then things go fine. Then it says, well, this one didn't come rar me or something, you know. And eventually you live together. You can actually in a sense, live together. I somewhere in the house here, I don't even know where. I got a recording of three talking to each other. And uh, how, quite, what, what do they good. speak? What, how? No, it's not Indian and it's not animal. It's no words that I understood. Mm -hmm. I went down to uh, the university here in Washington State, here in Ellensburg. Told them I had this recording. Asked them, what if I brought it down? let you play it to those talking chimpanzees would they recognize it or not as something that is somewhere off but yet close to them and they asked me to and i got home and i don't know what happened to recording so i never got back it's in the house somewhere but i lose everything heck i i lose my pants if my wife didn't follow me with the dang thing <laughs> right yeah uh, has there ever been a story of like a Bigfoot like stumbling into a city or a big population of, of I know one or... right now that goes into a city. Small city, very, very well, more like a well, smaller than Ellensburg, more like Kittitas. And uh, they want me to go down to the Mexican people, it's in Mexico, because they know that I can befriend it. But uh, and it shows up quite regularly and walks up and down the street, mumbling, trying to talk and stop it. And looking at people and trying to say something. But they also have one of these idiots that uh, decided, hey, that's for me. And he's down there with a big gun, another Mexican. So they're trying to keep their mouth shut. But they want me to go down there. I'd love to, but I don't have the finances. I, I believe the same thing. I Actually, when you brought that up, I, I believe that the I, what I was supposed to say was, you know, a space alien came down and got busy with a Bigfoot. And here we are, you know, and it's a... But how they, you know, I've heard the saying that humans can only use 10% of their brain. The Bigfoot can still use 100%, but maybe the alien somehow took away that ability. So the Bigfoot still is telepathic, whereas the human doesn't have the ability to be. Oh, come on. Stop and think, son. You're sitting in the car. You're going down the road. Gosh, a beer would sure taste good now. Or a pizza. I was just thinking of that. I've heard that you can fly. I can levitate. Mm -hmm. It's hell, man. I haven't got enough feathers to fly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can lift. You can levitate. I taught that. Literally taught it to, our, uh, to the listeners. I well at the time, I understand, 22.6 million listeners. Got seven doing it. Not very many, is there? Too many, I can't. And as long as you can't, you're positive and locked to the camps. So, yeah. My oldest grandson, he's not here. He's levitated twice. Mm -hmm. uh, another guy that came, he learned 
he stayed up once and my grandson was watching him and, and he crashed because it surprises you. You can't do it, but he did. And uh, uh, he said, did you see that I stayed up? And my grandson said, yeah, I've done it twice. Big deal, walked off. <laughs> Is that similar where the people, when you see like a, hear people getting together and they put two fingers under one bean? Similar, except you don't, uh, one of the problems, and, and I've never done that, but I've heard a lot about it. And uh, uh, you think you're a feather or something like that, and two people are trying to goose you, and you go up. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's a crude way. That isn't the way <laughs> it is. But, but nevertheless, if they quit thinking they're a feather and start thinking they're smoke. You said you could levitate, right? I can, yes. Could you possibly? Do it for TV? No, I only oh. do it because I, you, under, you have to understand. There's 12 inner hierarchies. 12 people that practice purity in the world. And we have no boss. No human being can tell us what to do. We have our laws and stuff. But uh, we don't have a human leader. We have the creator. And he sends teachers or teaches himself. And then we have to test it to find out if it's alive. Because if we accept everything that we tell and go around and teach it, we might be telling an untruth. So we have to test it. And uh, I was, at the time I learned, I was 10. And my sister at the same time did it too. My little sister at the same identical time. But I was told to get up and we had an old beater couch. And big old long thing, and we were jumping off the arm on the play, you know, we, we, we're flying, we're flying. And then we started to say, I'm flying, I'm flying. And when the I am got in there, instead of, you know, we are or, you know, anything but the positive statement, am, am, right now. When I got in there, that's when we stayed up, scared the hell out of both of us, boy, we belly flopped right down there. But, uh, uh, and like you, learning how to ride a, a street racer with no hands, you had to start off with a tricycle and then a bicycle with two two training wheels and then a regular little kid's bike. And eventually you got good enough to, you know, pedal down the street. It, it's practice, practice. Now, if the creator tells me to do it, I'll do it. But he told me. Now, that sounds like a cop but I got to face the creator, not you. And you're not my God. I don't give a damn what you think. Have you um, seen anything in the time cave lately that you can tell us about the future or something, a warning? I haven't been to the time cave for, well, uh, early last winter was the last time. Mm -hmm. And that not to do a time travel trip, but because the queen of the inner people, the ones that, another laughing matter, but uh, the gnomes, the fairies and Mm -hmm. stuff, they got a queen. And uh, she wanted to, to see me. She sent some, geez, she sent some pictures. Damn, I, I got so mad at her, I told her, never send those sound guns again. Do not believe a word I say. Not one dang word. Test it. I don't want you or anybody going outside Red Elk said, because Red Elk could have lied or been misinformed. I'm telling you the truth because I tested. But that's, I tested it. I want you to test it. You know in your heart. And if you think it's a bunch of malarkey, 
And if you're a Christian, pray about it, then ask that. But shut up and listen, for God's sakes. Don't just say, hey, God, Dad, is this, is this right? Nah, it doesn't feel right. Shut up and listen. And still your mind. And ask him. And he'll know your heart is true. He'll know if, he's really, if you are really asking a true question, and he'll answer you. Expect the answer. Thinking Aloud Conversations on the Leading Edge of Knowledge and Discovery with Psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Our topic today is a new vision of the unexplained. And with me is Whitley Strieber, author of more than 40 books, including many well-known horror and science fiction novels, such as Wolfen. There are also a number of best-selling non-fiction books, including Communion, A True Story, Breakthrough, The Next Step, Solving the Communion Enigma, What is to Come, The Key, A True Encounter, The Secret School, Preparation for Contact, Transformation, The Breakthrough. He is also co-author with Anne Strieber of The Communion Letters, The Truth is Out There for Those Who Dare to Read It, and The Afterlife Revolution. And he is co-author with Professor Jeffrey Kripal of The Supernatural, A New Vision of the Unexplained, which will be the focus of today's interview. That book is really a summary and analysis of his previous nonfiction books. And also, he wrote the foreword for Jacques Vallée's book, Dimensions, A Casebook of Alien Contact. Once again, this conversation will take place via the internet. So now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, Whitley. It's a pleasure to be with you. I've been looking forward to uh, being able to uh, be with you uh, together for a long time. Me too, Jeffrey. And uh, we've had plenty of trouble getting this scheduled, so I'm very glad to be here. 
Well, we're going to be talking about your uh, the book, uh, The Supernatural, that you co-authored with Jeffrey Kripal, and uh, he will be uh, with me tomorrow, and we'll do a part two. So we'll have uh, both of you uh, for this. But it strikes me as I look at uh, your portion of that book that it's basically a summary of uh, your nonfiction work um, over the last, I, gosh, it's uh, well over 30 years now. Yes, it's a, exactly that. It's a summation of really of a of, of very extraordinary life experience and one that I either was was I was intended for or that I happened into I'm not really sure which but it was uh, it has been a remarkable life and it still is it's if anything more is going on right now than has ever gone on in my life before so it's it's quite incredible uh, one of the themes that really struck me as I look back on your work is that you have been endeavoring, I would say, quite consistently to attract the uh, attention of uh, the scholarly community, the scientific community, and, and the world at large. And, and your fundamental claim is that this, this is a, a phenomenon that you don't want to necessarily label. There are many possible labels, but whatever it is, it's, it's real and it deserves serious attention. Well, yeah, I have been trying to do that and have actually had some success with it, or there wouldn't be a Jeffrey Kripal coming next, in the next show, <laughs> uh, because he's a very distinguished scholar. And uh, I've also had uh, some success in the scientific community as well. But there I'm rather limited in that I, the materials that I have possession of and science needs something to work on are actually implanted in my ear and I don't want them taken out because it's I've learned how to use this thing and I don't want to, I wouldn't break it for the world. Let's start there then. It's a good entryway. Uh, I know you describe in, in the book uh, having a very distinct uh, memory of, uh, I think it was two individuals. Uh, yes. They looked human, as I recall. And, they did. And, and they basically inserted this object, uh, which remains in, I, I gather, in the earlobe. It's right here in this earlobe. Mm -hmm. um, it, uh, yeah, it happened in May of 1989. In one of my books, it says May of 19. 94, but that's a typographical error from the publisher, not from me. It was in May of 1989 that it happened. I was awake and uh, I had just turned out the light and was just literally getting ready to go to sleep. And the, I suddenly uh, heard a voice, or maybe, maybe I wasn't, maybe I had dozed off and I, yes, I get the secrets. I think I had just dozed off, and I then I heard gravel crunching in the driveway uh, under the bedroom windows. We had a gravel driveway there, and that crunching gravel immediately alerted me because it was the sound of tires on the gravel, and there were no lights out there. We had a big, heavy gate, and you didn't get in there in the night, and plus you. No one who shows up at your house in the middle of the night with their lights off, getting past a heavy locked gate is going to be good news. That was very clear at once. 
As I came, became aware of this, I sat up in bed and I heard a voice in the backyard say very clearly, condition red. At that moment, I saw standing across the room at the, in the doorway in the center, that the, the, the bedroom had a doorway at the end of the bedroom that led into a corridor and they were standing there. A man and a woman, the man was, the woman was in front, the man behind, and they immediately rushed forward. At the same time, at first, when I heard the voice, I was trying to, heard the gravel, I was trying to open, turn on a bank of lights that would turn on floodlights all around the house. Then when I heard the voice and saw the people, I started to go for the shotgun under my bed instead. The I was aware of the fact that the LEDs on the alarm system were still red. In other words, it was not, it had not been turned off, but they got to the bedside. And what I then remember is I was on my right side, facing toward my wife, who was on the other side of the bed. And someone was pressing down on my left side of my head on my ear, this here. It felt like with their hand or with something. And the woman's voice was speaking very soothingly to me. Then it ended. There was a flash of light and a great deal of crashing in the woods. Someone running through the woods. I leaped out of bed, grabbed the pistol, which was in the, it's not like I was not armed or prepared in the, uh, in the bedside table. Uh, I was, I lived in a virtual armory in those days and began running through the house because I had, the LEDs were still on, the alarm system was on and these people had been there. There was no question whatsoever in my mind about it. I went through the attics, basement, everywhere. There was not a single breach at all. So I went back to sitting on the bedside thinking, was this some kind of incredibly bizarre dream? What am I actually capable of here? And I finally, I lay down and went into an uneasy, what I would describe as a half sleep for the rest of the night. In the morning, I told Anne about it and she said, well, you know, the alarm system is still on as it still was. And I said, well, I'm gonna go out and get the paper. But in order to get the paper, you had to go down to the, you had to take the car down to the corner about two miles away and uh, go to a little newsstand that was there. So I opened the door to the garage and to my astonishment, the system had a breach. The garage door was wide open and that can't be, not with the alarm system still running. So I, turned off the alarm system and got in the car, started to back out, still not fully understanding what was going on. Electrical flashes started hitting my hands and face inside the car. Scared the hell out of me. I thought the whole thing was about to blow up. I jumped out of the car and ran back in the house and said, Ann, there's something wrong here. The garage door was wide open and the alarm system wasn't tripped. She said, well, we need to call the alarm man who lived right down the road. He was only a few, only a short distance away. So I telephoned him and I said, something's weird going on here. Our alarm system is 
was not tripped and the garage door was wide open. He said, well, I'll come look at it right away. And he drove over and he said, Whitley, there is a powerful magnetic field on your garage door switches, much more powerful than anything this equipment can generate. But it is so powerful that even the door is, though the door is wide open, they are, the, the switches are not tripped. And he showed me in his magnetometer and it just went wham, the needle shot all the way over to the, to the right because it was so powerful. He said, I can, we, we tried to uh, download the system information from the, from the alarm system, but it did not work. That was all, all scrambled. So then uh, he replaced the switches and it worked fine after that. Later that afternoon, I started to notice pain in this ear uh, uh, and, uh, and then a lump. And after a few days, the lump began to function. It would, the ear would turn bright red and I would hear a noise, a sort of grinding noise, high pitched, medium pitched rather grinding noise. I did not know what was going on, but I did know about implants and I was terrified that, <laughs> my god they've put one of these damn things in me what am i going to do about this is horrifying and uh the net result was i left annie wanted me to leave it in she said let's figure out what it is and what it does it's it see For the past several decades, Germany called
Gobi Desert or whatever. Okay. Diminishing returns. So now you're like, oh, maybe we can fit one in like behind that woodshed, like in England where it rains constantly. But you're still depending on that output. So when suddenly there's some exogenous, you know, volcano goes off and sunlight drops, mm -hmm. there's still a guy out there servicing that solar panel, even though it's theoretically renewable. You still have like an actual solar panel there that you've got to clean off, make it dented every so often. Mm -hmm. And that can't be gracefully dismantled since you no longer have the energy surplus to gracefully dismantle that, which is actually like you have to plan that, you have to move people around, you have to decide who gets the shaft. That's very difficult to do. So really it's, it's when I say like it's a systems thing, like it, it applies to, you know, as corporations get bigger, they get like less efficient at the margin on doing stuff, even though their total output increases. Mm -hmm. The same thing with like government departments that have like less and less worthwhile programs, even as their budget and the total amount of stuff that they do increases. And a lot of these works, um, you know, like I said, they take this model and they just sort of run with it um, to the point where you get the uh, the graph, which I'm going to force Borzoi to uh, to narrate a uh, audio description of the graph here in a moment. Okay, let me pull it up so I can get ready for that. But uh, the uh, most of them, they do a mix of case studies where this general model was the case. Um, or extrapolations where they imply that, uh, you know, our society too uh, must have its inevitable downfall. And would you say that there's a, a correlation between increased misallocation of capital expenditure and complexity? So as things get more complex, you're, you're basically wasting money, you're investing poorly, you're developing products and services that aren't really worth it because of, you know, the immense scale that you have. You're under the impression that the scale that you currently have and can continue to support allows you to be riskier than you really should. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, you have, you have, because like the marginal uh, investment has kind of uncertain payoffs um, because it is so like, Marginal in the sense of it's the next thing that you do and also marginal in the sense of like barely worthwhile. So at a certain point, like, you know, 50% of your projects are paying off um, even to break even and then it drops even below that and it just starts running on inertia um, until there's a systemic shock that causes. Um, I mean, that's that's the thing, like this model is kind of in contrast to a purely cyclical um, like a smooth cyclical, like, oh, you gradually get bigger, then you gradually get smaller. It's like you get bigger, it becomes unsustainable. There's a shock and then there's a collapse. So there's an asymmetry uh, between the uh, the rise and the, uh, the fall here um, that, you know, up until the moment of that collapse, you have, uh, you have like the appearance of actual growth and you actually do have growth. Let, let me ask uh, maybe a expository question that can help the audience and myself. So why is the fragility of the system more fragile, the larger it gets? In other words, why wouldn't the external shock affect it just as much when it's maybe 80% as big as it is as a hundred percent big? Why is it, uh, why is the, the sharp downfall only or more or more often happening at the at the top versus maybe a little bit before the top. 
So imagine that you have like a really big corporation and suddenly there's like a 20% uh, drop in demand for its main product. You have a lot more stuff that you have to tear down and a lot less stuff that you can do in terms of corrective uh, action because you've already sucked most of the juice out. Like you got that big because you have a really tight less supply chain. The larger you yeah. get. Versus like, you know, you have some, uh, you know, auto mechanic or something and business drops off because there's a recession. Right. It's like, well, there you actually is hype there because like as an individual, like he can live on 20% less. Right, like right. he can, uh, you know, try to compete with, you know, his dozens of competitors around him. Right. Um, he has a lot more freedom of movement. Like he's mm -hmm. probably not the like absolute most efficient. Like right. I've like I've squeezed every iota of productive capacity out of my personal, social, and economic capital. Okay. I have a Just intuitive, but it, I mean like the the principle holds. Right. I have a, I have a question relating to a specific part of what Tainter says. So. In, it's the second chapter he talks about the nature of complexity so, so in his mind two concepts important to understanding the nature of complexity are inequality and heterogeneity so inequality i think uh, is pretty self-explanatory he just explains it as inequality may be thought of as vertical differentiation or unequal access to material and social resources but heterogeneity i think is, is much more important to the mind of, of tainter and i think this would probably be accepted by anyone who does systems analysis. I'm also thinking of someone like Peter Turchin, who does um, something similar to this with cliodynamics. But he's talked about heterogeneity and management of heterogeneity before, but it's generally referred to as number of distinctive parts or components to a society at the same time to the ways in which populations distribute among these parts. My question would be, uh, as a society breaks down, and it continues to break down, is it partially due to a lack of desire to manage the heterogeneity, to, in other words, limit it, and to develop social technology or to properly manage your institutions to more firmly guide the development of a society? Instead, you allow it to produce various identities, produce various components that might be poor utilizations of capital, poor utilizations of time, of resources, of energy, of people's familial bonds, so on. Is there sort yeah. of a, a death spiral effect that starts to take hold when you, you stop managing society? Yeah, I mean, when you have heterogeneity, um, like uh, when you have a like that, that translates directly to the notion of complexity um, in terms of like internal complexity, because you end up with things like a lot more. Uh, factions that are making very obscure um, alliances. You have a lot more obvious trade-offs. Um, I mean, just purely ascribing it to a lack of will. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a, you know, I don't know if you can ascribe like we're not willing to govern this because like it's more of a problem versus we're not willing to govern this because we're, uh, you know. This heterogeneity is also how you eke out those marginal gains. 
I mean, that's almost indistinguishable to me. Like you see this in immigration rhetoric where we need to we need the next generation of consumers. And it's like, okay, well, are you not willing to uh, enforce like a stable society because like this is actually to your benefit or like, I think that's not. Yeah, the best example in our sort of sphere of discussion that comes to most people's minds when they think of like, what is going on? Why are these corporations sort of destroying the long-term stability of the country and the system they operate in, in exchange for this short-term boost to their profits? I mean, I think it's it's just the incentive structure of, of our economy. Yeah. I mean, this is also, it's not just, I mean, on a systemic level, economy is a huge part of that. But this is something that uh, John Michael Greer does t- uh, touch on a bit in decline and fall because he he he's building on tainter and he's looking at this. He's a uh, Greer himself is a big believer in basically like of the M- the imperial aspect of the system. And what Greer talks about in that book is you have these you have you just have different groups is that you once you have this structure in place and it's basically kind of running on its own inertia and people aren't thinking anymore about what's actually sustaining it it inevitably devolves into you have different constituent groups basically just fighting for their own larger piece of the pie without any regard whatsoever to the long-term stability of it because they've just come to take it for granted or they don't feel any connection to it or it, there's a number of it's basically you have a, a number of multifaceted elements to it that occur it's one of the it's like a, it's um kind of like what they call the wicked problem where it's these are when you step back and look you can see all these problems connected but when you're there like these aren't things that people think about I wonder if this this is similar to the very lazy social technology that yeah, I think so. free market conservatives have, which is essentially, well, you just let things run themselves. Why would why would you why would you try and manage the economy? I mean, in, in that their mind, works like in kind of sub macro complexity right. terms, but I mean, then you're subject to macro trends. It, it, well, I was, yeah. They're, well, first of all, they're they're being disingenuous. But I think that honestly, it, it is worth pointing out that um, there, there's a there's a good book that is sort of a, a good introduction to this. And I, it's just called Complexity: A Guided Tour. It's by no means a tome, and it's by no means the end all be all on the subject. But it's a good uh, introduction for a lot of you out there. But the author very quickly early on describes the the field of complex systems as the research into how complex nodes or networks are are purposefully organized. The assumption is that a complex system is purposefully organized for some specific purpose and it's actually managed. The reason why systems break down, I think this is what Tainter eventually gets to, is that because they become fundamentally unmanaged or mismanaged uh, for whatever reason, whether it's laziness, whether it's it's lack of knowledge or capability, or it's lack of willpower, um, poor social technology. Or, there's a, a hundred possible reasons, right? But the assumption is that there is intentionality in what you do and how you actually manage social interactions, how you contain heterogeneity. Heterogeneity is, is a bad thing. You want to contain it as much as possible. I think that that is sort of what we're trying to get at is why a lot of these societies, why a lot of these nations throughout history, kingdoms have 
died and died sometimes very badly. It's because you know they're fundamentally mismanaged right up until the end. And then yes, they're unable. They're not only unable to withstand external shocks, but many of the dynamics that created the system to begin with simply could not be replicated at a certain. And, and they also remain in denial constantly about their about their decline. This is actually I was going through today a, a panel he did with Kunstler, uh, Orloff, uh, two other guys, but Greer. John Michael Greer, for example, believes that we are already kind of in the early uh, stages of the collapse. And he likens this, and he does this a lot, where he likens things and likens our situation to a lot of the empires throughout history. He's a big believer in kind of like that cyclical theory of, of things. And even after the Roman Empire in the West had collapsed, people were basically insisting that they were still the Roman Empire, that it was still a thing, that they, you know, you get into the yeah. into these cases of people basically still LARPing as though they are the Roman Empire. And Greer, well, for example, look at the name of our country. Way. Would you call yeah. us United? Yeah. Are we United well, that, States? That, you know, yeah, that's, that's something that Greer actually to. says, where he, where he says that uh, you know it may be that in 200 years, whatever warlord is in charge of the largest swath of the United States is going to still be calling himself the president of the United States of America. It's the Holy uh, United States, Holy yeah. Roman Empire. <laughs> so you mentioned Greer. Um, Greer's kind of a weird guy. Um, do you want yes, to talk yes. about him uh, as a person? <laughs> I guess he won't be coming on the show anytime soon, but yes, let's do that. I I say weird is a positive thing. Like all of the best writers are are interesting because they have interesting takes that are novel and strange to people's understanding. Weird is a good shorthand from that. But yeah, that's uh, a save, but yeah. If if you're John, listening, John, uh, we'd we'd love to have you on the show. John Michael Greer is the king of the nerds, basically. Because I can't, I, everything about him just screams giant nerd. I mean, be, like, let's not even talk about his like actual serious stuff. I mean, the guy writes uh, Lovecraftian fiction for one. He he do, he basically kind of does like the um, his own like homesteading thing. I, I forget exactly how he does all that. But he is into the occult. He was the he was the literal arch druid in the United States for a period of time, a member of a pagan organization. I mean, like he was doing the full nerd LARP basically. In addition to that, however, he has he's an incredibly prolific author who's written both fiction and nonfiction and he explores things from this he's basically is the one who started who popularized this idea of catabolic collapse or the way things break down over time with your with the resources and the infrastructure and he's written basically his books if you read them in chronological order you see what he's building towards what he calls the ecotechnic future or basically it's a he's looking at a post peak oil future where what after we go through a scavenger society what do we fashion out of that with what remains and what we have on hand he's in addition to that he's also a huge he's also a huge fan of history so he explores all these things from spenglerian and toynbee's perspectives on this in fact on his deindustrial reading list he highly recommends that people uh, read both Decline of the West and whatever Toynbee's work was called. I can't remember off the top of my head. And comparing, a study of history. Yes, a study of history. And comparing and contrasting those two, and then picking a dead civilization 
and following its exact trajectory from the uh, from the from its high point all the way to its decline and all the events that happened into it and seeing what lessons can apply today. So he's like, it's hard to kind of encompass the kind of person that John Michael Greer is because he's just that guy who is into weird stuff and is interested in basically everything. There's there's a couple others that have I think a lot of that stuff sort of given really. The decline of all the Roman Empire. There's this uh, obsession with charting the fall of an empire, taking a huge interest in why exactly something fails, and then attempting to place the dynamics of your current period and what you maybe predict 20, 30 years out onto the fate of a long dead empire that had vastly different cultural dynamics from you i think i think it was i think it was really gibbon who started this trend and made it a huge part uh, of the western uh, historiographical canon i guess you could call it um there there have been others like toynbee glub ec hall uh, tainter obviously i think is probably the most prolific um uh, maybe outside toynbee but tainter is probably the most well known at this point um i'm not really sure where this comes from, and maybe this is actually a sign of impending collapse, that you have a in, intense interest in studying falls of empires before you and trying to actively placate your mind with, you know, um, com- parallels. Yeah. Between what I mean, that, that's been a thing now. for, like, maybe, I don't know, Peloponnesian War isn't really about the fall of an empire per se but i mean it's describing historical processes in a way that like the goal is to learn from them i mean like yeah, the decline and fall of the roman empire was written in like 1790 or something yeah it was 18th century work yeah i mean there are parts of if you actually read history of the peloponnesian war there are times when uh, Thucydides makes political commentary or he'll, he'll give you insight into why a specific Greek kingdom um, was unable to perform well in the war, or why exactly they cited the way that they cited, or why exactly they lost. He tries to give you some insight into uh, the cultural dynamics, and, and it could be very well that, that the, there was, a uh, at the time, a contemporary political reason to do that, to try and prevent certain remaining Greek kingdoms from suffering the same fate. Um, I would say that Herodotus did that to an extent. So did um, um, who wrote the lives of the Greeks and Romans? Um, Pliny? I believe it was. Yeah. Um, This has existed for a while. But what I think you've seen the last couple hundred years has been, especially the last 40, 50 has been an intense interest in studying why it is that civilizations fall. And it could be that there is a, a real uh, determination at the higher levels that um, we've created a very outscaled macro-civilization that has multiple sub-civilizations and there's a lot at stake. And if one goes down, you could look at something like the Bronze Age collapse, where multiple 
civilizations go down because the trade is uh, I, John Kerry explicitly said that. Like John Kerry had a bit uh, during the Obama years where he was talking about uh, managing the decline. About America. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, well, we're going into a more multipolar world and uh, we're just trying to like manage the, I think it was John Kerry. Um, it was either Kerry or uh, Obama himself, but I think it was Kerry. Um, but he was basically, you know, America will no longer be the, the world's foremost or not, he probably didn't say foremost, but will no longer be this kind of uh, hegemonic hyperpower. Kind of we need to manage ourselves into that. During Obama, um, I don't know if you guys know who Ian Bremmer is. I have a lot of issues with uh, him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm glad you know who he is at least. But um, he was he was shilling his book during that probably He's a terrible that writer. time. Uh, and he was calling uh, calling it like a multipolar world, I think was the title. Something along those lines. I'll put the actual title in the show notes. But his whole thing was, you know, we've we've sort of lost the hegemony after the Cold War, and we've we've entered in a, into a second sort of end of history era where things are not going to be like they were before. It's a basic thesis, but you know, he kind of goes into sort of what America needs to do, and it's, that's probably the sort of discussion circles that Kerry was in in sort of putting forward that concept of like we need to, you know, work with other people, and frankly, I don't disagree but you know our obvious you know opinion of the state department is slightly different than his but uh you know you can't really get away from glaringly obvious facts that china has risen russia is no longer on its on its knees it's it's gotten up at least and uh things are not like they were in 1992 that kind of thing as well. I mean, what you're like, based like the system being self-aware or the people within the system being self-aware of this stuff. I mean, you can see that as well with the limits of growth, which was commissioned, you know, it was either late sixties, early seventies uh, when it was first commissioned. But well, I mean, it even, was like in response to the oil shock, I think. Right. I mean, it was the seventies. It was very like contemporary. It, I think the, it came from the club of Rome and it yes. came out of these groups that were, <laughs> were really incensed at the idea of peak oil, which proved to be total horseshit. The, well, the point of why I wanted to bring that up is, well, I mean, you can't talk about the graph without talking about limits to growth. So, well, I know when we get to that, we'll be able to talk about that. But there was this question of, of why, of why this stuff is become of this, the collapse of civilization become suddenly interesting, especially like in the last 50 years. And to that, I would have to probably say, I mean, like that anyone who's paying attention has the, knows that sense of like you're if you're not growing, you're dying. And there has been, in, or in the case of an empire, if you're not winning, you're dying. And that there's been that sense in America for a long time. People are very aware of it. Uh, John Michael Greer did an interview with a guy when uh, on a one of his more recent books based about the religion of progress. And an example he cites to this interviewer of the sense that, like, of the real sense that people feel about this, about living in decline, is you used to be, you used to be with, in terms of space, that you had people who were, you know, huge aficionados of, like, hard science fiction and of the actual, you know, rockets and the science, you know, all, all the hard science that goes behind that stuff of conventions and, and conventions and everything like that, and those are dying off. If you go to a convention about spa- about specifically about space, you're going to see a much much older 
generation there and that generation is fading off it's you know the oldest ones are going to basically it's going to be mostly baby boomers at this point uh xers millennials they're not going to these things because there's a very real sense that nobody believes that they're, that they're going to space no one believes that yep. that's a dream of another time period of, of that scene descendant everybody knows everybody who's paying attention knows we're in decline and so inevitably your thoughts turn towards well, what others? What was going on in other civilizations when they were going through their decline? That's a great question. I mean, do we have any particulars we want to focus on? I mean, Rome gets picked over ad infinitum, but um, Rome is overrated. I, mean, I, I, think, I think the Brits are such a better, and like it's honestly not that far in the past. Yeah, either. yeah and so is the Austro-Hungarian the Austro Empire. We have just Empire. such good records from the Brits, too. I, They're all in English. I also find the, I actually also find the decline of the Ottoman Empire very fascinating with its Janissary revolt and the, uh, and its attempt in its waning days to basically try and make uh, civic imperialism, uh, an ideology they called Ottomanism, to make it actually work in their empire. Interesting. Well, it's interesting to see the Ottoman Empire failing, the rise of Ataturk is fascinating if you live in a multi-ethnic country. Yeah. Because then it, that's a, a great study in um, what exactly happens when uh, the old order breaks down and the ethnic groups start sizing each other up and seeing what exactly they can take from one another and what territories they can establish as rapidly as possible. And the Turks uh, at the time as well had a very poor ethnic sense of self. They, you know, to be called a Turk, that was, like, uh, many of them would balk at that because, like, that's, when you say Turkey, they're thinking of, like, the, you know, the, the Turkmen, these, you know, the more, like, the dirt farmers and these nomadic peoples that are out in the, you know, in the hinterland. These are, you know, if you were, especially like in the Istanbul area, you were in the Constantinople area, I mean, like, you were an Ottoman. That's what you were. And that was a word that was basically very fluid in, in its meaning, like, even what was an Ottoman at that point. And that's why I find that to be a very fascinating analog, because white Americans, I think, are going through a very similar thing, where there's no defined, there doesn't seem to be this defined ethnic group for white Americans. And they... They had the Turks at least had the benefit of, of having more of a sense of self and the the language was a huge aspect of that. But that was a problem that they were having going into and that's what led to the rise of the young Turks partially was to basically create this sense of Turkishness. Yeah, I, I think that honestly though Rome is there's a lot you can draw from the, the the analysis of the collapse of Rome. Also shockingly, no one ever really talks about the collapse of the Greek kingdoms or the Greek states that seems to go by the wayside uh, a lot I, I'm not I've never really been clear why because I think well, yeah, man thinks that it was uh, too much democracy or something but you know don't quote me on that or him frankly I've just well, I've vaguely the seen historical the historical blindness towards the Byzantines is partially because all of the writers are writing from a perspective of Western Christianity, which had like a, a almost direct uh, relationship to the Roman, the Western Roman Empire. I mean, the Eastern, especially because at the time where most of the historiography uh, was being written, like that was a completely foreign land that had been conquered and basically depopulated by um, the, the Turks. 
uh, really there <laughs> there was also a weird um, crossover with uh, some of the political movements there like the notion of Byzantine politics as opposed to uh, the, the notion of like the uh, the prudent uh, the prudent Western uh, European uh, prince um, that had some crossover too but I mean a, a lot of it I think also is that the records just weren't that great comparatively because of you know the, the lack of things that were preserved and the language barriers and everything else like particularly for a contemporary audience yeah yeah, but I, I would agree with you, Hank, that uh, looking at the fall of the Brits, looking at maybe the fall of you know, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, probably the, the, the best means of, if you want to, analyzing the, you know, the rapid decline of the United States. Like, I mean, honestly, even like corporations, you can look at an arbitrary, an arbitrary collapsed corporation. The collapse of Sears. Stuff that you can get. You can get a handle on it and you can see all these dynamics. You can like, it's not actually that hard to go and talk to some retired vice president at one of these places. And it's always super interesting whenever you meet like a retired boomer who, you know, had a long career in one of these huge companies. It's like ask them about the internal politics or what they actually did. Like people like to talk about this stuff. It's a good point, Hank. I, I was going to mention in response to that, Clayton Christensen's Innovator's Dilemma Theory. We didn't specifically mention him in our sort of management myth episode, but he is a little bit tied in with the Harvard Business School and Michael Porter. Uh, so make what you will of his theories. But his basic argument to me makes some sense is that if you're an established company or empire, you have a way of doing business. And there's a reason you got to the point where you are because there was a system at one point that worked and then that became bureaucratized and that became systematized. And now that there's an upstart competitor out there that figured out a way to hack into your system, find the good elements, outsmart you and other elements, they don't have that bureaucracy anymore. They can just execute on whatever works in the marketplace or in the sense of like political economy they can basically outcompete you and because you have that sort of rigid system established in amber relatively speaking and you're not as nimble you basically fall behind eventually uh, so there's lots of analogies but if you look at china it basically was sort of the slate was wiped clean after the japanese invaded and the, the chinese civil war and then the chinese kind of came up with a system it didn't really work. They had a cultural revolution and then Deng Xiaoping flipped it over again. And then that has been working. Um, the American system was sort of fine until the frontier closed. And then, but it was still protected by the oceans and somewhat of a nationalistic protectionist uh, policy structure to keep industry at home. But when the intermodal shipping container happened and the unions and the sort of communist agitation in the unions in particular and in the country as a whole got the businesses basically sick and tired of the American worker, they just moved all the jobs overseas when they could. And now the multinationals are doing fine, but the middle class is screwed. And so the empire stability is really threatened by this. And the democracy is not fast. It's not nationalistic. I mean, it's basically it's, it's a democracy. And so there's lots of these competing issue uh, interests that don't really work together. And it seemed to be you know, working better before a lot of these other upstarts were, were happening and technologies coming along. But because it's stuck in this kind of you know, civic nationalist democratic 
democratic system, it just can't, it seems like it's trapped and it can't get out of it. And so big, and there's so many interests that want to just build more highways and shopping malls because that's the only way we can increase GDP, even though it's it's not creating sustainable jobs and destroying the environment. It's just I don't know. The, the incentives just aren't there to to fix it long term until it breaks down and people are forced to. One of the things that you mentioned, I think, is a really important aspect of these kinds of collapses. When you have a elite, um, if that's a business elite or a political elite, that uh, it doesn't have their interests aligned with the company or the nation and intentionally tries to have their interests not aligned with the company or the nation. So you saw this with the rise of kind of a transnational um, economic elite um, that's perfectly happy to sort of do these busts out, bust outs of uh, individual nations. But I mean, it's really obvious if you look at something like in the 1980s, when you would have uh, these giant leverage buyouts. And the way that you do did historically, because they don't happen as much anymore, um, a leveraged buyout, you have a financial firm that has access to a lot of capital. Back in the days, they used to uh, sell junk bonds. And they go scouting around for a company that has a lot of uh, assets that they can strip off and sell, um, basically doing a bust out, if you've ever seen Goodfellas. Um, and what they try to do is partner with the existing management so they'll go to management and they'll say, hey, we'll give you like N percent of the resulting company and like a pretty fat uh, performance bonus if you help us strip all of these assets off of the company and grind the sucker uh, down to its core essentials and try to turn it into a cash funnel. They take all of the resulting debt, they pile it onto the actual company um, to vastly increase their leverage, make them very susceptible to these sorts of shocks and try to uh, grind out their money back. But the the idea that like management is in on it in kind of a collusive arrangement against the interests of the stakeholders uh, that supply all the effective uh, human capital that actually makes these things run, um, it strikes me as very similar to the idea that uh, you have these transnational financial arrangements where, well, you know, Hillary Clinton uh, and her ilk uh, became extremely wealthy by uh, operating in the best of effectively a leverage buyout of the American financial and political system and stripping of massive amounts of assets, uh, you know, primarily in the interest uh, if you look at the raw numbers, probably of uh, China, and you know, God only knows how many uh, specific grifts along the way. So do we, do we add to that? Do we want to talk about uh, what collapse actually means in the mind of both Tainter and Greer? You know, Greer has said at a basic level just means the simplification of a society and the simplification of, of organizational... Is that his catabolic collapse or just in general collapse to him? I think in general is what he defines collapse as being. Tainter has a, a bit more complex idea of what collapse actually entails, but 
anything. Yeah. Maybe, do you want to go into that? Yeah, I mean, Tinker's idea of collapse, per se, was not something that I really uh, focused on in terms of his specific uh, definition. Like, as I recall, um, he sort of, you know, in his case studies, he he deals with the uh, the Romans, uh, the uh, one of the Mayan, I think just like the Mayans in general, and uh, one of the other South American uh, uh, South American um, ex empires, I guess. Um, uh, the other I mean, Ch- Chaco, and I think it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't recall his specific uh, definition, other than kind of the um, the obvious symptoms and the fact that total output. Uh, total output goes down like sim- like the uh, the amount of connections um, to each kind of node in your network dramatically decreases. Um, basically, all of the uh, the symptoms of the uh, uh, shoot the uh, the anti revisionist uh, history of the Roman Empire, where they're like, yeah, actually things did suck after Rome fell. It wasn't this peaceful transition. Um, anyone know what book I'm talking about? Um, yeah, I can't uh, speak to what is specific uh, if he had like a pithy uh, definition. Well, I just wanted to know, and this is somewhat uh, for the audience as well. Like, what is catabolic collapse exactly, as opposed to just other types of collapses? Yeah, Boris, like, is there like a distinction between the catabolic nature um, versus like? I don't know. Is there a non-catabolic uh, collapse that does not have a flashy graph? <laughs> well, some because I I've had people argue with me about the about this stuff before. Like there's Ugo Bardi who's also been influenced by Tainter, who I think through his kind of like Seneca effect, he sees a much more rapid kind of a, a rapid collapse. But the the catabolic collapse of John Michael Greer is basically the because he, he, he uses anabolic and cat, the terms anabolic and catabolic, so you can think of this kind of like with muscles and like basically it's the way that your infrastructure just breaks down over time. The problem with like with when people think collapse is that they think like oh I'm gonna open up my de- my my door one day and then there's just bodies strewn around as Glanton gangs roam the countryside murdering everybody they they see. There now the in a in a situation where you have like true anarchy occurring, like you might get flashes of that. But really, what what a catabolic collapse basically is, is just the co- like the the cost of maintaining your infrastructure becomes too much, and then things begin to break down over time. You know, there's you're going to be able to do to manage some upkeep, you know, it, but it's just like this long downturning, where you're you either do not have access to the resources anymore or it's become too expensive to even extract there was a i was watching a uh, a video of a, of a conference now the data was has been updated since then but at the time they were talking about basically what what it took to draw enough energy out of ore because you know they're just like they're going through reserves so it comes a point where it becomes much, much more expensive to be able to extract this, to be able to maintain the infrastructure, the transportation, specifically this, the transportation infrastructure to get these to get 
this energy and material from point A to point B to point C. And these costs will keep going up over time. Now, of course, these people are always trying to figure out what, you know, this is where the peak oil stuff kind of comes into as well. People are trying to figure out what's the point where we can no longer sustain this, where you can't even make a profit on this anymore without being total government incentive to do this funding. But basically, once you get to the point where there is no more incentive or it's just too costly and too expensive to maintain, you're not going to see it all collapse overnight. It's just going to be a, a slow withdrawing, you know, kind of like an empire withdrawing from its borders. So sort of like how we've seen Radio Shack slowly but surely disappear as people don't, I don't know, build their own electronics anymore. We've seen Sears do the same thing, but it's not like it disappears overnight. Right. Um, okay. Well, you mentioned peak oil. It's and, like every and... every like shock to the capital stock reduces the capital stock's self-maintaining ability further, which means you have like a cascade effect, but it still takes time. Well, I think yeah. shocks are <laughs> important, but I don't I don't know if it's always has let, to be from a shock. Let, uh, but let me put it. Let me. Let me put it this way, like because like this gets to really abstract stuff, and to be able to like to make it easier for people who are like hearing these words catabolic collapse and like what is that what what does that mean for me and my family? When you're living through a catabolic collapse, like you're gonna there's gonna be a lot of people in denial about the fact that they're living through a catabolic sure. collapse. They they might say like oh you know things are 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 tough right now, but like you know better times are just around the corner. We just got to get the right leadership in, or they'll figure something out. People like because you kind of have to puncture through this Hollywood myth of the collapse, where again, like I said, like you open up your door and like it's why like the zombie thing is like so. Uh, it plays on so many yeah. different things. It plays on so many different things, but it also plays on that like that fear that things are not going to get better. But like, it's hard to really conceptualize. Well, why does he call it collapse be, though? Is it is it just more sort of zingy? Because you're because you're gonna well because you're gonna deindustrialize, and I don't know like industrial society is, is going to collapse. Well, yeah, I would call that a decline because it, it seems like the, the the way you're explaining it, it sounds like it's slow, but a collapse is like the building just fell over, uh, versus the buildings kind of kind of slowly crumpled to the to the floor like. I don't know uh, if collapse is the right word, but that's okay. I mean, that's what he, what he calls it. So I think we. It's the accelerating. It's the accelerating nature of the, you know, let's just call it a collapse that makes it sort of distinct because things don't get linearly kind of worse and worse. It's like if you look at uh, Venezuela's uh, issues, that is a they, rapid collapse. I don't think that's a well. Collapse. Yeah, I mean, like, what is slow or rapid if it's you know, a time frame. When did they first elect Hugo Chavez? Like well, 2001 or something? Some ways doing well during his reign. Now, some of that had nothing to do with him. It was just the stupid price of oil. But it was um, it was like they were clearly much better off under him. And then it was uh, when he died and Maduro took over and various reasons externally probably were pressuring that country as well as the price of oil going down and their costs of supporting their regime going up because of Chavez's programs of social spending, uh, those two things basically made the sustainability uh, go. Well, it's negative. like you, you know, the the price of oil goes down or whatever. You're you less efficient at oil production, so you have less money to maintain your oil production. Mm -hmm. So you have less money coming in, so you have less output, and this ripples down because you're also not maintaining your power plants, evidently. 
So when your power plant catches on fire or the transmission lines caught on fire, whichever one it was, suddenly you have a three-day a three-day power outage instead of a one-hour power outage, which means that there's a lot of food in warehouses that goes bad, which means your transportation infrastructure gets stressed trying to carry in food from everywhere else. You need more oil to do that, but you don't have oil because your refineries. It's just this like this culmination. That process takes time because these societies are actually surprisingly resilient. Like yeah. people actually really are good at jerry rigging things. I mean, you saw in the Second World War where everybody assumed that, well, we're just gonna send in some bombers, we're gonna level the city. And then this will be so terrible that everybody is going to give up immediately. And at a bare minimum, like the city is going to be economically worthless. But that didn't happen. Like they were still cranking out tanks in Stalingrad in the rubble. Like London was almost flattened and still people were, you know, not like necessarily the happiest, but they were still participating in economics, politics and warfare. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's like micro scale resiliency built into all these things where people can take a surprising amount of abuse and they're really good at solving uh, problems, especially if you recognize that you're in a situation and you give people uh, the sort of uh, fiat necessary to take care of them. But on a macro scale, it's like, well, there's only so much blood you can get from a stone. And uh, when your entire economy runs on stone blood, <laughs> uh, then you uh, you end up in this recursive death spiral. Uh, yes. Your point's taken about Venezuela not happening overnight. I didn't mean to imply that. Yeah. What I was comparing well, Venezuela to is America, for example. I, I think you know we're we got a much I mean, for, regardless of the reasons, I, our decline is slower than what's happening in Venezuela. That's all yeah. my point was. Yeah. I would just, just I would add that metaphor of take take a bridge, and the bridge is in decline.